This is the Movie Hall of Fame, class of 1961, for Friday, November 12th, 2021. And there he is across the table from me, the Minnesota Fats to my Fast Eddie. <laughs> what? Or maybe the other way around. It's Adam Hall. Ugh. You calling me Fats? You play a mean game of pool, Fats. <laughs> you too, Fast Eddie. I don't know if that's the actual line. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, fat man, right? He calls him Fat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a very fat man. He's a Jackie Gleason. That Jackie Gleason. Yeah. It's a good. Is, was Minnesota Fats a real dude, though? Uh, he, there was a guy named Minnesota Fats. I don't think that this character is meant to be him. Inspired though. by him or yes. anything? Yes. Okay. I think he was inspired by another sort of pool hustler. Another Minnesota Fats. Right. <laughs> Just a completely different Minnesota <laughs> yeah, Fats. Yeah, I, I do. It's a popular think, name. Yeah, that's kind of a. It's very specific. Uh, kind of an awkward phone call when the real Minnesota Fats calls you and is like, <laughs> yo, what's the deal with this character? Like, <laughs> wait, which Minnesota? I don't even shoot pool. <laughs> no, this is the other Minnesota Fats. <laughs> this is a character <laughs> totally unrelated to you. It's Albert Einstein. No, the other Albert Einstein. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I see. I see. There we go. Uh, yeah, we're talking the films in 1961 today. It's been a while since we've covered a particular movie year. A very long time. Uh, yeah. This is the first time in a while. I think like five bangers. Yeah, this is it. very different for us. Yes. Movies that I, I'm, I'm guessing we all enjoyed. It went from, for me, it's like I enjoy it a lot to I absolutely fucking love them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just like movies that we should have discussed long ago. We mm -hmm. never got around to them and they're here now. Uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, The Hustler. Judgment at Nuremberg, West Side Story, and Yo Jimbo are the nominees, one of them getting into the Movie Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. You seen anything recently? Oh, boy. Here comes the list. list I'll just huh? let you know. I have not seen a damn thing. I watched some of the movies for this podcast, but like I've just been in TV land, man. Let's go down rewatched first, because, yes, I rewatched Judgment at Nuremberg, Breakfast, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Yo Jimbo, The Hustler, West Side Story, all of them for this pod. Watched them all. All of them. And it was a grand old time. And I rewatched Shaolin Soccer, which we'll talk about somewhere else. I rewatched Enter the Dragon, which, uh, whew, glorious time. <laughs> and then at, to round out the rewatched, of course, I rewatched Dune another three times. <laughs> rewatched Dune a whole other three times. Three times? Three more times. It's been two weeks. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen Dune five times? Six times. <laughs> oh, goodness. He's but, doing it again. I mean, you're, you're spiraling. I'm not spiraling. You're a junkie again. It's okay. It's fine. It's like sports gambling with me. Like, I have fallen off the wagon completely over the it's last few Hey, hey, it's not... Hey, sports gambling's bad for you. I can't believe you're doing this again. Sports gambling's bad for it's you. It's been so long. It's bad for you. Because Adam used it's to, like, bad walk in for here. <laughs> he'd walk in here with, like, shriveled, like, red eyes. That's true, yes. And, you know, he'd, like, be twitching. His hair would be all disheveled. Yeah, I looked like Michael Myers. And, and he'd be like... <laughs> Nico, I just spent the last 36 hours watching Blade Runner 2049 on a loop. It's true. Like, it's, true. it's been a while since you've done this. Like, it, There's Mad Max Fury Road. Which is what, which, 100 which, times? I that's think the said? deepest hole next to Jaws that I think I'm in. Yeah. Mad Max Fury Road has ruined my life. Right. Uh, and then I found this new interesting drug, yes, called Blade Runner 2049. It kept me, it kept me going. And now you're on the spice. I'm on, those, I'm on the spice, bro. By the way, the movie has risen dramatically in estimation for me <laughs> more than it already was my god is this movie yeah, up there for me sure i mean <laughs> i mean no surprise but like listen, i'm sure cocaine is fun the time you do it as well 
How would you know? I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I keep my vices uh, strictly to the the confines of yeah. FanDuel.com. I, I still think Dune's better than French fries. I still think I'd take, <laughs> you know, it's better for you. Come on, man. It's, it's this wonderful, beautiful, <laughs> poetic, artistic visual stimulation. It's funny because I was just having this conversation <laughs> yesterday about, because we were watching the NFL game at Buffalo Wild oh. Wings yesterday. It was a horrible, horrible game of football. The oh, Dolphins really? and the Ravens. And oh, God. I'm like, I turned to my friend and I said, you know, football and French fries have this one thing in common. Even when they're bad, it's still football. Yeah. And even when they're bad, they're still French fries. I had the worst bowl of French fries Ooh. I have ever had yesterday at Buffalo Wild That's Wings. Ba- yeah, they're the wor- worst fries in America. Worst food in America. It's just a terrible establishment. The the, the tables are sticky. The service is awful. The, the upcharging on drinks. Worst restaurant ever. Worst bowl of French fries <laughs> ever. I polished that thing off in about 60 seconds flat. Damn. Immediately. That's crazy. And it's like in that moment, those might be the only two things. It's like bad football is still football and bad French fries are still French fries. See, this is the difference between you and me. I am known for if the game is like, I don't know, uh, uh, what's a reasonably ridiculous score? I don't know. If the score is 45 to three in a football game. I shut the game off. Right. Yeah, I don't. Because I'm not interested. Uh, if if You those, don't have five fantasy teams. You're, you, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> you have legitimate problems. This is different than, than just saying, A, I'm going to watch a really cool science fiction movie. I hit an and, uncut gems like oh, parlay no. the other day. 25 to one, Adam. Ah. Uh, 20, I hit it. You hit it. I hit. You did well. And then I missed a 60 to one parlay by one basket. This is kind of the story of your life. You have to 60 to one. Nika, do you, <laughs> I don't even gamble, but the moment I hit a bet that good, I'm out. Right. And you can't do that. No. 25 to one. Okay. And of course <laughs> I've lost it all since then. Just chasing the high, but <laughs> how's Bitcoin going for you? Oh, Bitcoin's to the moon. Oh, uh, it's to the moon. I don't know if you've noticed. Oh, really? Cause that old Elon Musk, is he literally on the moon look, now? <laughs> take a look up there. You'll see him. First ever Bitcoin. It's on the moon. Uh, that's that's Elon's literal tax haven. Right he put now. it there only for the pun, and that's, that's it. Right. That's where that's where his money is. That's why the United States government can't get to it's it. Buried. They, NASA shut down this, the Apollo program. My money's buried between 15 tons of fucking moon rocks. <laughs> Oh, Bitcoin. All Remember right. when they said Bitcoin was dead? Three months later, it hits another all-time high. I can't wait for this tremendous, disastrous, kill-yourself crash. Listen, I already went through it, and I survived it, and I we're back know. to a I'm new worried. high. I'm a little worried about Been you. Been there, done that, man. I don't know. What was it Black Tuesday? Was that what it was called? Or Black Monday? I, Which one was the depression? Black Thursday? I never remember. Black Monday? Black Monday. I, I want to say Black Monday sounds better. Right. <laughs> I already went through that like three times with Bitcoin already. Whenever. All right. Black Friday, Black Saturday, I went through it all. I just start to ask, what's the point? Riches? <laughs> Riches? Fortune? In Beyond your wildest dreams? With, with, a fi- with 15 asterisks? <laughs> what else have you seen besides Dune 20 times? <laughs> uh, I oh. mentioned The Night of the Hunter. Oh, word. Which How was that movie? It was pretty rad, actually. Yeah. yeah, it's basically if if Huck Finn was a horror movie. Okay. Which is neat. It's not, I don't think it has like that same like formative feel for me as it has for like so many filmmakers. Like a lot of filmmakers really cite this one mm-hmm. as a very important film in their movie watching journey. And it wasn't quite that for me, but it was a really bizarre sort of 
sort of storybooky film. And it's just, I don't know, everything about it feels very impressionistic and it's exaggerated. And the lead performance, God, I can never remember that guy's name, but he is just the creepiest villain I've seen in a long time. And, uh, so good. Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I love that guy. Of course is the name of the actor. Uh, Charles Lawton yep. film. You know, from 1955. Yeah. May have to do it one of these days. Solid movie. Solid. It's not like my favorite thing in the world, but yeah, it's a, it's it's pretty pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Then I saw an even more solid film just last night called Eyes Without a Face. Oh, you finally saw that? Yeah, shit. I did. The movie yeah. is dope. <laughs> yes, it's fucking awesome. It's so 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 me. Uh, there's like one plot thread that I don't know what why the hell it was even in the movie. But aside from that, like, good job, film. This thing is is. The, the most disturbing thing that happens is like one surgery scene and yeah, it's, it's, it, it, I think I had a nice nightmare from it. It's great. It's fucked up, man. Look at you, Mr. Criterion. Really good. Really, really you. good. I loved it. I loved it so much. It's just, it's a real, yes. French gore, baby. Just going through, just playing the hits, huh? <laughs> going through all of these. The surprisingly like touching ending. I mean, not touching a guy gets his face eaten off by dogs. So right. there is that, but yeah. you know, like, like the, the way the, 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 the title is literal, correct? <laughs> Don't spoil it. Okay. Yes, it's literal. Yeah. Yes, it's literal. Sure. Really good movie. Good, great music. I Awesome performances. One of the most beautiful actresses I think I've ever seen in a movie. God, uh, I can't figure out what her name was, but she's like one of the supporting characters who like shoplifts and, oh, so, so good. You need to give me the name of that woman, please. I do, I do. Please find that for me and send it to me later. French babes. French babes, man. Yeah, you want to send that my way later on? I could use some French babes in my life. What's the password? (laughs) (laughs) What else? (sighs) Ah. Titan, which I've talked about. Man, I feel so bad like coming in here. I haven't seen anything. I've just yeah. watched like fucking Curb Your Enthusiasm in succession. I, I need to get to Curb Your that's Enthusiasm. That's all I've been doing. I, I am just Mr. TV these days, man. Yeah. No, that's fine. You know, there's a lot, lot probably, you know, honestly, there's a lot better out there. Honestly, like, yeah, I don't know. Like for me, it's it's Dune and it's one other film that I'm like kind of crazy about. Okay. So what, what's up with Titan? Um, it's, it's bonkers. It's whack. It's fucking nuts. It's one of my favorite films of the year. Okay. Uh, it's just a very, very strange kind of fable of a movie, um, where I think a lot of, I I said this on the other pod where it's like, I think a lot of people are going to watch it and and take everything as not supposed to be taken literally. It's all sort of metaphorical. It's all happening in someone's head. I'm like, you know, like it's filled with metaphor. Like that's why the decisions are so wacky, but no, I think in the context of the world in the movie, everything is actually happening. Yeah. I prefer when that's the case. Yeah, me too. Like I kind of prefer when the movie itself is the metaphor. Like Godzilla is, is kind of that movie. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like I can sort of draw my conclusions outside of it, but yes, in the context, when I'm sitting in the theater and I'm watching it, I'm supposed to, take away that there is a monster destroying a village. Sure. Cause I, I find like when you're the movie is sort of questioning that you, you veer off into other tangents that sort of take you out of the experience and you sort of watch it a very different way. Where right. You, you're not l- literally in the story anymore. You're sort of actively questioning it. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out what the metaphor is and you're like trying to like parse out intentionality yes. while you're watching. Yes, 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 yes. Know, Which is like maybe a Jordan Peele movie. Sure. Or something sure. like that. And that was the problem with another film that I saw uh, coming up, which I still liked, but that had those issues. I felt that way about Candyman, actually. Because the, Candy, the new Candyman? The original Candyman. Oh, I, I love the new Candy, uh, I, the old Candyman. I love it, too. I haven't seen the new one yet. Um, and, you know, from what I can gather, some of the criticisms with the new one is that 
again, it tries to over explain the metaphor. Yeah. But one of the things I love about that original movie is, you know, the characters within the movie are questioning whether or not this is happening. Mm. But you are always certain that this guy is actually there yeah, yeah, yeah. with a hook and a bunch of bees and is actually tormenting this woman. Yes, know? I agree. That's what I like. And so you, it creates this thing of like all the other characters in the movie think she's crazy. And it's a great like like a mistaken identity film for that reason. Yeah. Amongst other things. That yeah. movie rules. Yeah. That movie's so good. I was very, I like, I, and this is the thing, like I rarely get pleasantly surprised by horror films of that era, but that thing rocks. Yeah. It's not perfect. I still think there's some issues with its handling of the themes at times. Uh-huh. Some of the some of the racial themes are I would I would call slightly muddled. Uh, Heavy handed maybe at yeah. times. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but as a horror experience, that thing kind of rules. It's yeah. kind of fun. It's it's yeah. I, I watch Candyman, you horror junkies. Yeah. It's really great. Great uh, score. Great yeah, that score is awesome. Is that a Philip Glass score? It's distorting. Uh, I don't know. I think it is. I, I think he did that. I love Tony Todd, by the way, just like anything that he pops up in. And he's back for the new one. I've seen where he is in the new one, and he's he's not back. Oh. Cameo. Oh. Yeah. Don't like that. Yeah, he's not really back. Okay. Because he should be. Like, why can't he be? Whatever. He's awesome. I love Tony Todd. Okay. Anyway. And then I saw The Card Counter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck to the yes. Fuck to the yes. Stop wincing. Yeah, it's a gigantic waste of time. What a great movie, and I will not have this right now. Pretty low on my uh, scale for movies of this year. Stop it. I really didn't like right it. Right now. I really didn't like Watch it. Watch your mouth. I thought it was, yeah, like like I was, I've been sitting with it for a while. I, wa- I, I watched it and walked away from it, and I thought, okay, this is teetering on waste of time, right? And I think the more I've gotten away from it, the more of a piece of crap I think it is. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. Oscar Isaac is unbelievable in this movie. He's good. First of all. You, you have a great performance elevating what I think is pretty mediocre material. Listen, it is a Paul Schrader movie in that it is about like yeah. a somewhat difficult anti-hero. Yeah, about... Uh, who just like sits in a dark room and writes in his journal. Struggling with his past and searching for uh, r- redemption or salvation or maybe both. Sure. It's a lot of religious iconography. He's playing his hits. um, A lot of them. There is, I think playing them well, personally, it's cold, chile, freezing cold. Sometimes it's appropriate. And then other times I didn't understand why he was telling the story that way. It just didn't fit. Uh, I didn't like any of the supporting characters. Tiffany Haddish. Nope. Uh, Ty Sheridan. Nope. Um, There is exactly Tiffany Haddish is weird casting. Yes. I'll give you that one. Yeah. Yeah, I when it's there's just nothing cinematic about it. Oh, stop! There's nothing. It's the most. Stop! It's amongst the most boring looking films I've seen in quite a long time. Um, I'm a little. I was disappointed because I love First Reform so much, and this was just like a, a dull, you know, experience through and through. I didn't think any of the insights it had were particularly new for me or interesting in any way. Particularly for Paul Schrader, that was the other thing I was kind of watching. I'm like, dude. Like, like I could watch literally any one of your films and still get all these impressions and it would still, it'd be a much more fulfilling experience. I mean, I'm even in first reformed, honestly. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointed with this one. And, um, yeah, I remember clocking. I was like, okay, I don't care about anything that's happening. And I'm, I'm not connecting with the way they are integrating the Willem Dafoe storyline with the card counting storyline. I didn't understand it at all. 
Uh, I just, I, 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 I was kind of trying to, I kind of wanted the movie to pick a lane, I suppose. <laughs> okay. If that's a fair point, cause that's actually one of the things I loved about the movie. Yeah. I hated it. <laughs> so that's because look, a lot of sort of, you know, gambling movies, as you know, is a very important sort of subgenre. Is this a gambling movie? Well, okay. So that's the interesting thing, right? There are some movies that sort of describe or portray gambling as like this euphoric experience. Like mm. you look at like Molly's game or rounders or something like that, where it's like the end of the movie is like a, it's a triumph and the, the sort of the, the games along the way are fun and like sexy and appealing. And then you got movies like say the gambler, like Mississippi grind yeah. that portray it as purely a sort of destructive drug. And in fact, there's a movie on this list that takes a similar approach that we're going to talk about today. Um, I'm not sure I've ever seen a gambling movie with total ambivalence towards gambling. And that's what this is like Oscar Isaac's character. And I think by extension, Paul Schrader view gambling as, I don't know, a way to make a living like a solid living. Like you can just go like, you know, casino to casino and like count cards until security comes to see you. And then you split for the next town. And I make like maybe a thousand dollars in one night and I move on. And the same thing with the world series. It's like, yeah, or it's, is it actually in the world series of poker? Is it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, um, Oscar Isaac starts playing like big cash games and like big tournaments and they end up being televised and stuff. You know, he becomes sort of a poker celebrity in this film. And again, like it feels like he's kind of apprehensive to even join that world. And he's not really into it because again, like gambling is just a way to pass the time. I think that's actually a line in the movie, right? He says that it's a, it's a way to pass the time or whatever. Um, I think it's really interesting. I, I just because like Paul Schrader, I know from firsthand experience following him on Facebook. Yeah. Is always talking about like how he's getting thrown out of like online poker games because he makes offensive comments <laughs> and like no one wants to play with him. He's very annoying to play with. Um, but I, I thought it was kind of interesting that this guy who had clearly had so much baggage from this original sin, you know, he's, did a you, CIA torturer, this guy. I was not moved by that original sin whatsoever, though. And that's that was another big issue I kept having with it. I'm like, I, I don't like the way those scenes were done. I thought was pretty bad. And by no way were they disturbing. And they were kind of obvious. And I was just like, sure, sure, bro. You're 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 a torturer. Why don't you actually show me doing some? Why don't you show me the real torturing you're doing other than just sit, standing on a guy's head? I thought that one scene of like the, the fish island. Yeah. That stuff was really good. I thought striking at first. I don't know. It's not enough. So, but point being, he's so tortured by the fact that he literally tortured people in his past <laughs> that now he's sort of sought refuge in gambling in casinos. Yeah. And like, it's kind of worked out for him, but it's not one way or another. It's just sort of this deadness to it. Yep. And, and he's a zombie in the movie. And I appreciate that because it doesn't really come down one side or the other. It just, it sort of just presents this activity as a banal sort of way of spending your time, man. And interesting. I don't know. I haven't seen another gambling movie quite like that. What did you glean from it? Um, what did I glean from? <laughs> like, it? I don't know. Really, I I didn't, I don't know. I didn't take anything away from this thing. I I I, I think like so, so put it this way, the the coldness was sort of the point, and yes, also I know. the ambivalence towards the gambling, the, the fact that you know you didn't sit there. And like watch like an amazing like like a Casino Royale-esque mm. poker uh, hand where like, you know, it's like quads over a straight flush over uh, over uh, the, the royal flush. Like yeah. it wasn't anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
And I don't know. I appreciated it. You like your gambling movies. I like my gambling movies. It's just dull, though, man. And I just think Oscar Isaac is like kinetic. I just think he's really good in the movie. Yeah, I don't know. He's not that great. I'm very upset by this. <laughs> he's fine. You've my... upset me greatly. That's okay. <laughs> You've upset me. Greatly. I never seen someone so so casually okay with a with. I mean, I don't mind if it's cold. I it, but with just a dull experience like this. I don't think it's dull. I, I think, think it's, it's cold, well, but how... not dull. <sighs> Incredibly dull. I took nothing away from this thing. Cold is not a problem though. Like 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 I said, in some instances in this movie, it's very appropriate, and then other instances, I'm like why here i i was saying like there comes a point in the movie and i'm trying to think like what would i rewatch this movie for and i realized like okay i guess i would watch the scene in the motel with oscar isaac and ty sheridan when does that happen in the movie oh it's an hour and 20 minutes in oh, that's a great scene it's, though the the last act of this movie is quite good or not even last act the last yeah like 30 minutes so yeah, yeah. last act but that takes so long it's really good it takes so it's a long slow to burn it's schrader i don't know that's what he does well the slow burns don't bother me in first reform that's striking and harsh and it that movie sinks its teeth in you from the very beginning yeah. you feel like the haunting nature of that movie right out of the gate where it's like it's like what am i why am i meandering through these boring locations i can't stand the setting by the way it's just not for me uh i i and again it kind of lends into the like the way this movie was shot god damn this is just so visually uninteresting yeah i will say first and form the cinematography was a, a bit more inspired yes yeah there's a there's a um a minimalist approach in first reform that is appropriate for that character's headspace too. That's a, that, that looks great. And again, you see it and it's, it freaks you out how still that movie is. Right. And in this, it was just like, well, cause it's, it's the eye of God. Yeah. yeah. It's like God is like able to see right. It's judging, you you know, it's judging all the time. Right. And I felt like here it was just Paul Schrader working on a low budget and it is, it's like, I, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm just a mark for these things. So you I are. Tell you. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, come on. I was like, I loved it. I was a little surprised you liked it that much. I'm not even, I was like, this, I'm like, he, why does he like this? It's. <laughs> I watched that movie when I was sick in bed with like a really nasty flu and I, I had like a 105 fever. Yeah. It wasn't that high, but I'm just like sitting there in agony watching this movie. Damn. And I'm like, yes. I don't get Oscar it. Oscar Isaac put my head in a vice i just i just don't get it at all i loved it i'm sorry it's ve- like i no, i'm seriously because it didn't strike me as much of a nico film aside from the gambling elements and yeah. i guess the the self-reflective elements yeah i, I don't know man I, eh. anything else you've seen that's it no i've seen more more yeah there's more yeah of course there's more i saw a film called lamb Oh, yeah. What's the deal with Lamb? It's decent. I've heard like some really bad things and some really good things. I understand both points. It's not a great movie. Has that issue I was talking about before where it's like, wait a second. Is this literal or is it happening in the context of the movie? Uh-huh. Uh, or is it or is it metaphorical rather? I'm like, I, I, it was really distracting, particularly with the performances. And I didn't understand like the point and the way the characters would sometimes react to um, the character of Ada. Do you know what it's about? I, d- I know it's about a lamb. Or at least that's my guess. Not a lamb quite, is not, involved. Not in quite. Okay, we'll call Ada a lamb. Okay. So the way they react to Ada, and it's like, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean we'll call Ada a lamb? I don't, I don't understand what that means. She'll just say she's a lamb. But she's not a lamb? Not exactly. <laughs> no, no. He's looking on his phone, people. Stop no, it. I'm looking at the, <laughs> a picture, and I see like a... 
Uh, the poster, a guy's holding a lamb. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I get it. Ah, did you see the hand holding? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. It's weird. Well, now it's been spoiled for me. Is that like a twist in the movie? No, it happens in the first like 20 minutes. Okay. It's a mood piece for sure. It looks gorgeous. Okay. My God, this is a good looking film. But. It's almost too minimal, I will say. There's almost just not quite enough there. It is, this happens sometimes, even with A24, this sometimes happens, but it is a short- Is this an A24? Movie? Yeah. Okay. It's it's a short film that's extended for an hour and a half. Got that's it. basically what it is. Got it. And it's, you know, there's a lot of padding. There's a lot of it that, you know, is just meant to set the scene and Otta growing up and the, the, the couple dealing with being a parent and loving it and sort of the disturbing nature of them being parents mm-hmm. because of- what they're raising. Um, and even though like, I think the film has tons of problems. I, I do admit, like I love that Otta <laughs> and I love that end. Like she's, yeah, it's adorable. And the ending kind of got me. I do love this ending. And mm. it, it was upsetting and, and it's, it's more sad than it is scary. It's not really a scary film at all. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just a really strange movie about like, like again, people fucking with nature, but in the most intimate way I've ever seen. Uh-huh. So in that way, I really appreciated it. And I, yeah, I, I, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't moved, uh, like here and there, like significantly moved. I don't want to take huh. any credit away. It's not, you would, you would hate it. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I, I will, I, I'm not even going to recommend you see it, but okay. uh, interesting one. Interesting one. I just realized we're like right around the corner from our top 10 list. Yeah. It's like a month and a half away. I haven't been keeping track of my time. I got I got to cram some movies in, man. Yeah. Um, there's a lot I have not seen that like, I feel like I need to. Well, I'm almost done. This, there's one more movie. Oh, it's my favorite movie of the year. Oh no. You do not see the French dispatch. No. Okay. Thank God. Spencer. Word. Spencer is Woof. fucking incredible. I was worried. No, I was worried there were going to be some hot West no. takes. No, 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 no. Okay. For the record. Yes. My answer probably would be Dune, but I'm disqualifying it. Dune is not on my top 10 list. Okay. So don't worry. Spencer, about it. huh? Yeah. Uh, Spencer. Spencer is kind of brilliant. Okay. I'm going to watch it between now and next time we do this and we'll maybe talk about it just please for the love of god try to distance yourself from the fucking royal family because yeah, I, I, I know you hate that i do like like it's it, it is a anxiety film okay it's a great word really non-stop anxiety film with next to hans zimmer for dune my favorite score of the year and i've heard like Kristen stewart is just on another one in this there she is yeah there she is but yeah she's phenomenal like absolutely running un- away with the oscar what's the yeah, deal here it's not even close not it's even phenom- close. i'm like you know m- yeah. mouth mouth ajar the entire time like Kristen. <laughs> she diana is that you there's just one great little detail she does and just a tiny thing i just have to comment on it like only i would care about this but she's getting into an argument with charles and she's at a pool table and you just see like like his answers just getting her more and more just churned and stirred up and she does this great little movement with her hand that she just can't stop it's like a tick and it's like uh-huh. something like it's a very like 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 when you know like an actor like this is something actors say a lot like where it's like in order to like show you're a good actor the most noticeable thing is what you're doing with your hands in that scene and i'm right. just like looking at that detail it's so real and believable and human and there's not a moment where i don't actually feel the amount of rage that's boiling up in her it's 
just an it, it's probably the best scene in the movie i love it so much uh and it, it is helped by johnny greenwood's score yeah because ah oh, huh. amazing i loved it i'm looking forward to this I, I i've been wanting to see it came out last week right yes yeah so yeah, yeah. um I've been looking for an opportunity to see it. Maybe I'll see it this weekend. Abby and Rachel saw it, and I'm like, oh, I really wanted to see it. And then we went the other night, and I'm like, oh, 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 this movie's really good. <laughs> wow. Yes, yes, okay. it's it's my number one. Dune would be number one for me, but I'm I'm disqualifying it because I got to wait till that part two. So. Yeah, the list, man. All right, I, I will see it by the next time we do a podcast, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Does the film get into the fact that the royal family murdered Princess Diana? Is that touched on? are we going there no they don't okay they don't do that just checking <laughs> pussies uh it's not, well it's not about it's 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 sort of a fictitious it's 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 not like a true story it's like an impression of a true story is yeah, the idea sure they even say at the beginning a fable based on a true story for the record i do not believe the royal family murdered princess diana yes you do it was john f kennedy <laughs> um okay it was bugs bunny uh cool all right let's get into it okay. the year is 1961 man you've just been churning these out yep i watched uh, only murderers in the building only murders in the building i heard it's a delightful show on hulu delightful show okay that's what i've been doing with my life that's i just i just have needed delightful shows so i'm just you know watching curb watching that watching football I got to get back on the Criterion channel. It looks like though, I got to watch some more Bergman and shit. Oh, I did. I, okay. I said this on the other part. I did also watch persona and I, I said, I said this, it's like my top, like it's like, it's the best, it's the best movie I've ever seen. No, oh, great. no I mean, <laughs> it could honestly be in like my top 10. It was, it, it's a life changing experience of a movie. Persona. Yeah, maybe, uh, persona. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Holy shit. Persona. <laughs> we'll see. The year's 1961. Highest grossing movie of that year is West side story. Okay. Number two, The Guns of Navarone. Um, number three is El Cid. Number four, The Parent Trap. And number five, The Absent-Minded Professor. The original Parent Trap. Really? In the top 61? Four. That's old. Uh, yeah, 1961. Uh, we go to the Oscars. Your nominees for Best Picture. Uh, a film called Fanny, a movie I've never heard of. Fanny is what it's called? Fanny. Apparently, it's a musical. I wonder what the English think of that. Never heard of it. Yeah, what is a fanny in, in England? It's a vagina. Got it. Not a not a buttocks. No, it's a vagina. Hmm. Uh, the Guns of Navarone, The Hustler, Judgment at Nuremberg, and your winner, West Side Story. <laughs> I'm the Guns of the Navarone. In fact, what the fuck am I doing in the bag? You're the motherfucker who should be on brain detail. We're fucking switching. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins win Best Director for West Side Story. Maximilian Schell wins Best Actor for yeah. Judgment of Nuremberg. We'll talk about that in a second. Sophia Loren wins Best Actress for Two Women. George Charkless wins Best Supporting Actor for West Side Story. And Rita Moreno, Best Supporting Actress for West Side Story. Uh, I didn't have a ton of honorable mentions, uh, yeah. but there, there's a few. Uh, Through a Glass Darkly is a uh, Ingmar Bergman film. I think one best foreign language film that year. Uh, La Dolce Vita came out that year. Okay. Uh, Parent Trap, I just mentioned. Cleo from Five to Seven, the Agnes Varda film. Pit and the Pendulum, I guess one of the better Roger Corman, Vincent Price, Edgar Allan Poe adaptations. I haven't seen that. I have seen Cleo from Five to Seven, and it's amongst my favorite films ever made. So, 
Okay. Apologies. I didn't realize that. And I'm like, oh God. Sorry. Adore that movie. Haven't seen it. Yeah. I haven't seen any Varda. I know people love the Agnes Varda. She's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she was like young when she made it, right? 1961? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I think of her as like an adorable old lady yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, 101 Dalmatians came out that year. Blue Hawaii, the Elvis movie. Oh. Grassman at Straws. One Eye Jacks came out this year as well. I have been very curious to see One Eye Jacks, Marlon Brando in his only directorial effort. I, yeah, I mean, for that alone, you got to see it, right? Very curious to see that. Is One of any, these days, I'll get around to it. Is it any good? Uh, I've heard good things. Yeah. Okay. I've heard good things. An actor of that caliber, you would think he would understand. <laughs> Just put the camera down and direct your actors. <laughs> is Jack Nicholson in that movie, too? Probably. Could be wrong. Is that the one that they reference in old? What's is the it? movie they reference in old? Where the guy keeps saying, what's that movie? Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> I didn't remember if he ever found out the answer to that question. He never did. He never did. <laughs> he died never getting the answer to that question. Oh. <laughs> Surprising nobody had that knowledge in the in, the, in their back pocket. Yeah, everyone in this, everyone in watching it just knew what the answer was, right? I've had no fucking idea. I kept like, what the, <laughs> the joke was so stupid, whatever. Uh, the Missouri Breaks, 1976. Wait, that's what it is? First thing on Google, Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando's bizarre Western referenced in old. Why is it referenced in old? Don't know. I don't understand. Uh, fucking Rufus Sewell. <laughs> what a great movie. All right. Uh, ready to do this? Yeah. Let's go. First movie on the list. I just went alphabetical. I have no rhyme or reason to this order. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Directed by Blake Edwards of the Pink Panther fame. Mm-hmm. Based on the novel by Truman Capote, starring Audrey Hepburn, George Pappard, and Mickey Rooney as Mr. Yanushi. Mm. I was, <laughs> when I was rewatching it with Abby, she's just like, oh, wow, that Chinese man's performance is so exaggerated. And I'm like, oh, guess what? <laughs> Winner of best music and best original score. <laughs> Sorry, best original song at the Oscars for Moon River. One of the great songs ever written. Yes. Nominated for best actress, adapted screenplay and art direction. I, I was under the impression that Audrey Hepburn had won for this, yeah. but she didn't. She won a little couple years prior for, I don't know what that movie. For Roman Holiday? Is that what it, yeah, okay, that makes sense. It would make sense. I don't remember now yeah. what she won for. Uh, a young New York socialite becomes interested in a young man who has moved into her apartment building but her past threatens to get in the way. Quick thing about Audrey Hepburn. Uh, one of the most beautiful women in the history of mankind. You want Nico's platonic ideal of the perfect woman? There it is right there. Audrey, Audrey Hepburn in this movie. And if you make one more argument that you're not an old man, I'm going to kill you. It's over. <laughs> okay. I learned this week. This is going to like disqualify me from like ever hosting a movie podcast ever again. I have two of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. I could have sworn that Audrey Hepburn and Catherine Hepburn were related. Nope. I did not know that. A lot of people. No, here's a lot of people. I was that. under the impression my whole life watching them in movies, my whole life being like, oh yeah, that's the mother and that's the daughter. And it's like the two greatest actresses of their generations respectively there was a point in time where someone told me that it was aunt and niece and then i looked it up and i like like when they told me that and i'm like oh really 
Right. Oh, that's not true. Audrey Hepburn, that's not even her real name. Hepburn nope. is not her real last name. No nope. stage name. So felt really stupid. That's a no, a lot, I I feel like everybody actually makes that mistake. It's okay. it's it's pretty common. Um unbelievably attractive in this movie. Yes. Unbelievably attractive. Uh one of those like women and performances where it's like you see it and you're like, oh, our perception of sex symbols is gonna change forever. <laughs> it's just like you see that it's like oh that's sexy now mm-hmm. it's like one of those like you know paradigm shifting moments it's like brad pitt and thelma and louise it's like oh yeah. that's just that's sexy now okay. that's the guy you know george clooney when you see him in er or <laughs> like you know attack of the killer tomatoes especially with george george clooney certainly yes um <laughs> i don't I felt like maybe like Cameron Diaz was one of those at the time. Sure. Uh, what was her first performance? The mask. Yeah. But I think like something about Mary is the, that's the real quick because they kind of use that to their advantage. It's the same thing with like Margot Robbie with Wolf of Wall Street. That is honestly one of those high up there for me once. Well, she's unbelievably beautiful, but I don't know if she changed our perception of what beautiful could be because Margot Robbie was as beautiful in 1925 as she is in 2025. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. You know what I mean? Whereas I feel like Audrey Hepburn shows up with the long fucking cigar cigarette holder and the lace uh, sleeves Mm. and like, oh yeah, this, and and also the personality too. The personality is the big selling point for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, where it's like, oh yeah, this is, yeah, iconic is an overused term, I guess, but this is as iconic as it gets in terms of like a performance Instantly. match with an actor. Yes. That being said, I don't think that there is a movie from this period that is aged more poorly than this one. Oh, it's not even close. Oh my goodness not, gracious. Not even remotely close. I do okay, and this is this is I do still enjoy this movie, don't get me wrong. Me too. Like like it's a it's a delightful time. Great vibes. Yeah, great exact great vibes, great location. I love I love that spot. I love hanging out with Holly Golightly and uh, Paul, of course. Or Fred. Yeah, or, or Fred. Mm-hmm. And, and he's actually sort of an unsung hero. I actually think he's really good in the movie. Yeah. Um, everyone's re- really, really solid in this. And it's just a like a chuckly film. It's yes. not like, again, similar to the, the some of the Pink Panther movies, not all of them, but where it's just kind of like, <laughs> this movie's so silly. Right. It's kind of, it's more like that. And you just sort of vibe with it and then you, you enjoy the weekend that you have with the characters. Sure. But you're absolutely right, especially rewatching it with Abby. Yeah, it, it, it's got a lot of problems in that way. Goodness gracious. I mean, the Mickey Rooney thing is bad enough. That is like the most obvious example. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the most offensive stereotypes I've ever seen in anything. In anything. It's so bad. There's this great YouTube series of this guy who does speech dialects. Yeah. And they're going through multiple movies and they get to Mickey Rooney in in this movie. Now, normally this guy spends about five to ten minutes on each other performer. He gets to Mickey Rooney. They play the clip where Mickey's like, you disturb me. Yeah. Cut to the other guy. How the fuck did this happen? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's not like the 30s. I mean, it's 1961. No, it's still bad. I mean, it's you, I, no I, point being like, yes, it had it yeah, happened yeah, in 1930. It would have been bad. Too. I understand why they did it. But like, but they <laughs> they had to know at the time they had to know. I think everyone He's wearing a mouthpiece in this movie. He's wearing a mouthpiece. It's the glasses. The fact that when he wakes up, he hits his head on the, the China lamps. And I'm like, what is, oh, what my the- God, it's bad. Uh, and I mean, like it gets some laughs, but like the last that it gets is like when he's leaning over the balcony and the water is like dripping. That's like the, the, the actually like most legitimately funny. The rest of it is just cringe. Yeah, I know. It's not. Even oh, my great. God. 
Yeah. And, you know, I'm a hard guy to offend with this stuff, but that's brutal, man. I, I, Ian, I mean, we can't change it. It is what no, it is. It is what it so, is. So it's like, all right, like it's, it's a product of its time in that way, but it's, it can be a little tough. I'll give it that. Yes. This movie is interesting for a number of reasons though. And you're going to hate me for saying this, dude. I think it's a movie that would have benefited from sticking a little closer to the source material. I agree 100%. One of my big issues with this movie happens to be the fact that um, the relationship between Holly Golightly and Paul slash Fred forms into a romantic relationship. Now, if you actually know what happens in the book, it's a billion times more interesting. Well, you know why I know that? Seinfeld? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's gay. <laughs> what? <laughs> But once you know that, you're like, why, right. didn't, why didn't they do that? That's because it's 1961. Exactly. Which yeah. is why I think this movie might benefit from a nice little remake. I, you know, that's the exact same thought I had. And it's so weird because like we always say, don't remake the good movies, remake the bad ones or whatever. Mm. But yes, you're 100% right. This is one that could use like a whole new shine. Um, like the original book. I mean, it's a lot of it's implied in this one. Yeah. Um, but in the book, it's a lot more literal. Like. Uh, the Holly character is a prostitute. You know, here it's like she kind of tricks on the side or whatever. She goes to the powder room. Yeah, yeah. They, they use that expression over and over again. In the book, she's a prostitute. Paul is is not actually named Paul. I think he's unnamed in the book. He's just known as Fred. Um, and uh, yeah, is gay and they just like form a platonic relationship. It's like a lot more of a sort of uh, Fred is fascinated with her. Yes from a distance and like wants to get to know her because he's fascinated by the character, much like Truman Capote, who is a gay man who sort of wrote the book from his point of view. Um, yeah, that's a way more interesting movie. It's way darker. It's way more profound. Um, it's not as much as like a, of a stereotypical like rom-com, which is what this is. It's, you know, like a very artfully done stereotypical rom-com. And I don't think it's bad at being that. Like you have yeah. to sort of say, again, this is, you know, we say this all the time, like, like ultimately what is the piece that we got? And it's fine. It's really good. It's not like a poorly done, you know, version of that, like unfaithful version of Breakfast at Tiffany's. It's good. Mm -hmm. But you know, you just can't help but wonder. And I just think that this movie does play well now if you adapt it that way. Yeah. Because I think that's a really interesting story that I don't think I've seen much of. Sure. Yeah. Set it in a modern context. Yeah. Set it in a New York that's not as, I don't know, like Fifth Avenue, which is what this yeah. movie, I mean, that, but that's sort of the interesting that's thing. The, I like it as a New York movie because it, it, it conveys one of my, you know, favorite sort of themes in New York movies, this idea that it is the most crowded city in the world while also the most isolating. Oh yeah. And and that's what this is, right? It's Audrey Hepburn has these extravagant dinner parties and crams in mm. dozens of people into her apartment, but really she's all alone. Yeah. She's um, trying to run away. She's always a lost cat. That's the idea. Yeah. Exactly. Like Literally. cat in yeah. this movie. Cat. Um, so yeah, set it in a modern context, make yeah. it a little grittier, you know, show her in like uncomfortable sexual situations. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, really turn into it. Why not? Whereas this movie, it's like so gentle and yeah. so soft edged, but then you have shit in there. Like she's running away from, uh, her husband who's like 20 years older yeah, than her. I didn't understand. Like really they're going there. Yeah. And, and she's like, she was 14 when they got married. Uh, it's very bizarre. It's, it's really bizarre. Um, again, you have all of this, like this, um, th this sort of hinting at prostitution and like, you know, sex work. And th then you have like this sort of uncomfortable climax. I, I really like the last scene of the movie. I like the stuff in the rain or whatever. Yeah, me like too. it's, I do, it's I do. good, 
But like, ultimately, it's just a movie about like a crazy chick that has sexual issues. And here comes the man to like tame her. Exactly. And that's what it is. And it's like, that's not the type of movie you would make in today's current climate. No. And I, I certainly think like the guy is likable enough so that I'm not cringing about it most yeah. of the time, which sometimes happens in a lot of these earlier films. But you're definitely right that if you wa- if you show this to most people now, they're going to be like, come on, girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's definitely, it's an uncomfortable one. Here's a thought for you. So Truman Capote initially wanted to cast Marilyn Monroe for this. Mm-hmm. Yep, I heard about that. I think immediately, I mean, hard to argue with the fact that Audrey Hepburn is amazing in this, but if you wanted to make a more um, strict adaptation, I think Marilyn Monroe is probably the way to go. Is she a better actress to pull that off? She has maybe more of the life experience. Well, she's not as elegant, I think, is the key, right? Who, Marilyn Monroe? Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, I, no, I guess. There's yeah. sort of a girl next door, bad girl yeah. quality, right? Yeah. So. It, it, this is a tough role, though. To me, it's a very tough role. Certainly. And I, I, don't, I don't know if she was necessarily fit for that. But right. I understand, like, because of who she is in the public eye, why that might make a lot of sense. Yes. So Again, hard to argue, though, with Audrey Hepburn. Because, no, she's like, wonderful in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, and I think shaped, like, the types of women that other women modeled themselves over. A lot. You I know? Mean, I mean, she's up there for me with uh, Marilyn Monroe in all honesty. I mean, I see this one just as, um, I don't know, just as ripped off as anybody else. Jesus, who am I trying to think of? Um, the, the, the fuck, the, did Andy Warhol do it? Audrey Hepburn? Did he paint it? Yeah. You know, of one of his, Hepburn? yeah. Uh, maybe. Cause that sort of seals the deal for me. <laughs> if Andy Warhol was, was taking her <laughs> in the same context. Uh, did he? let's see. I feel like I've seen a thousand posters with like that style of Audrey Hepburn. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. Good. But he did a Maryland one. Yes, he did. No, but that's what exactly, it's exactly what I'm right, saying. Right. Yeah. But that's, but I think at the time, you're either an Audrey girl or you're a Maryland girl, right? I'm an Audrey girl. I mean, man. man. <laughs> Ooh, Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm into Audrey's too. Yeah. Personally. But every once in a while, I can be into a Maryland. You think you could get with an Audrey? I have, first of all, I have no shot with either. No, but, but that you, you know what I'm asking. You know what I'm asking. What? If you have the better shot, who is it? Oh, Marilyn, after a couple of drinks on a, on a Saturday <laughs> night. I mean, I don't know. I'm being honest with you. I think you got... Marilyn's oh. snorting cocaine in the bathroom. I mean, that's the best chance I have. <laughs> what? Well, you are doing a podcast with me, so I guess that... <laughs> no, I, I, you know, if we're being honest about it, we're just talking odds here. Mm-hmm. I think it's Audrey for you. I think it's Audrey. I think I get Marilyn. I think you get Audrey. And I would much rather have it be the reverse. <laughs> Oh my God, Audrey Hepburn. (laughs) Unbelievably (laughs) hot in this movie. Yeah. Uh, All right. What what else did you have on on this one? I I think it's good. I think it's. Yeah, I enjoy it. Probably Blake Edwards' best movie. I mean, unless Shot in the Dark is. Shot in the Dark. uh, Yeah. As a directorial feat, I think it's much better. Yeah. I mean, he didn't like make a lot of great movies. He was kind of like a hack comedy director for a (laughs) while. And, you know, there's a couple like hits in there, but. Yeah, I mean, this is his, is it his most iconic? Oh, yeah, gotta be. Yeah. There are a few movies more iconic than this one. Because I'm not sure people understand how not iconic the first Pink Panther actually is. Yes. Aside from the character, the Pink Panther, but that's it. Right, right, right. So. right, right. Yeah. Hey, you say we have nothing in common, Adam. 
No common ground to start from. We don't have anything in common. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're falling apart. <laughs> That's not true. All right. But I said, what about <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's? <laughs> it's a good song. That yeah. Moon River is a good song. God, Moon River. It's the so best good. thing about the movie. Oh, my God, Moon Rivers. So they wrote that for her, for like her vocal range, because she like can't sing. So they like wrote something like really simple, and it's like, yeah. Because she can't sing. Yeah. I love it when they do that for actors. Yeah, but it's an amazing song. Frank Ocean did a cover of that song like oh. a year or two ago. It's really I'd good. I'd love to listen to that. That's a great song. All right. Moon River. All right, uh, let's move on. The Hustler, written and directed by Robert Rosen, starring Paul Newman, Piper Laurie, George C. Scott, and Jackie Gleason as Minnesota Fats. <laughs> Winner of Best Cinematography and Best Art Direction at the Academy Awards. Also got a Best Picture, Director, Screenplay, Actor, Actress, Supporting Actor nomination. Actually, two Supporting Actor nominations. Uh, although George C. Scott refused his nomination altogether. Really? He rejected the idea that he would have to competitively uh, be matched up with other actors. He's like, listen, you can't compete with another actor unless we're playing the same role. That's true. Well, that's a good point, though. Good point. It is an interesting good point. He so, always turned down the Oscars, though, even when he got it for Patton. He's like, no. Refused this nomination. Then a couple years later, they give him the win for Patton, and he's like, I'm not showing up. Love that, George C. Scott. Me too. Only his third performance this movie. Wow. Yeah. God, he's so. I love George C. Scott. That guy rules I love him too. Everything he's in. So good. <laughs> an up and coming pool player plays a longtime champion in a single high stakes match. That's the plot of this movie. Um, just one of my favorites. Is it ever? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I- incredible. I, not perfect. The Piper Laurie performance is flawed, although maybe intentionally so. I mean, she's a mess, but I, I'm not sure like she plays a great romantic lead or femme fatale, if you can even call her that. Uh, I mean, she's much better suited to Carrie. She left acting after this movie, in fact. Came back 20 years, did Carrie, uh, then ended up doing like Twin Peaks. I think like she was always born to play like the scary mother or grandmother. I love the the Twin Peaks parallels we're going to draw multiple times throughout this pod. Are there Twin Peaks parallels? Yes. Okay. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Going right over my head. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, but point being. Uh, this is an unbelievable movie. Paul Newman just knocks this thing out of the park. I'm kind of exactly right there with you. It's not, I wouldn't call it like one of my favorites, but I do. And it like really, really, really like it. It's maybe just the, the centimeter before, before loving it might as well say, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I find the opening to just be so much fun. Oh my God. So engaging. And the, the way you start on a high and then it feels like you're being dragged through the mud by the end of the, that, that, opening act is crazy good right crazy good well it's interesting how he does it robert rosen because that first scene just goes on and on and on on. yep and it's like god i I, is the whole movie gonna be this i think that was the first thing i thought when i watched it for the first time it's like is this whole thing just gonna be in this pool and it just tires you out yeah i mean it is you're right it is exhausting but it's also like enthralling well because it's pool here's the thing pool's just fun no matter pool's how you, legit pool's awesome for a while there i thought i was gonna get into pool i came like really close really oh. have you spent some time in pool halls yeah sometimes 
I've spent some time in pool halls. I've always loved the experience. I love the vibe. They're lonely and pathetic. So that's like my favorite place to go. You know? <laughs> I love lonely and pathetic places where like alcoholics just drink and play a monotonous game over and over again. How's your pool game? Uh, it's been better. Okay. I haven't played in a while. Last time I played, it was a little rusty. I'll be honest with you. I was never a great pool player though. I'm okay. Yeah, it was I'm never okay. quite. Well, when I was in college, I played a lot because uh, we went to the same school, obviously. And the student center had that big pool hall. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time. Some of my friends got really good. Yo, I, I, those players, I just like yeah. blow me away when they're that good. But I mean, there, there were times in college where we just sat there for hours and just cycling through opponents. You just play guys over and over and over again. Yeah. Pool rules, dude. Yeah, pool, pool's awesome. Yeah. I got to get back into pool. I have, I have uh, like when, when you go to the Outer Banks and you, you, you rent a, like a house there on the beach there's always a pool table in the basement yes and i will play pool more than doing anything else during that vacation yeah i just love pool it's a great game i will play pool for hours yeah we gotta go to the local pool hall i'm not a i'm not a i'm not a great player but my parents are very good Ah. both of my parents are very good so i've learned some tricks from. i used to have a pool table i and i played just incessantly i was like maybe 13 14 that's when i really got into it um, yeah, I got, I got to work on the game. A little yeah. rusty. <laughs> <laughs> got to start chalking some, some cues. Mm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, pool. But yes, yeah, so that opening scene is this epic film. It's yeah. almost like a short film within the larger film. And then, yeah, you're right. You hit sort of a brick wall as the character does. Which works at first. Yes. This is the thing about that brick wall. And this is, it's my greatest criticism with the movie because the brick wall, it feels glorious at first and boy, does it hurt. You know, yep. you're right there with him. It's all making a lot of sense. And yeah, then he meets Piper Lawyer. Yeah. And yeah. I just, yeah, I got to be honest on rewatch. I was, I had forgotten how little of that actually worked on me. She's a drag. It, 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 yeah. The movie starts to drag and not in a way that I thought that not in a way that I thought was intentional because mm-hmm. I was just really zoning out. I'm like, I'm just not interested in this. I get it movie after, you know, 10, you know, five, 10 minutes, mm-hmm. but you're still going like I, it's kind of a blur if I'm being honest, like that it's almost 30 minutes of the movie. Yes. It's a long time. Yes. And it just takes me a while to finally get coaxed back into it. And I'm, I start to get there when George C. Uh, C. Scott enters the picture again. Which is great. It's awesome. Yeah. It was so, so desperately needed. But I can't, I, obviously I can't give the movie a perfect score because that's a, a pretty enormous chunk of the movie that I just really wasn't in it. But I, but again, once it figures out how to reel it back in with that character, and wisely so, because that's a very smart character to go back to, because mm-hmm. you realize like, oh, it's not Minnesota Fats, this guy's the villain. Right. And I love that sort of like corporate, I mean, he's sort of a metaphor for the corporate mindset of how you, you know, take that and- you Keep turn, chasing the paycheck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Turn it into something disgusting. Right, and, and you sort of see the corrupting nature of yep. money, and that's the interesting thing about the Minnesota Fats character. He's the one character that doesn't handle his own money. Someone's no. always counting the money for him. This is just a professional enterprise for him. But he's also kind of a tragic figure in that way. You, yeah. you, you treat him as the scumbag at the beginning, but you realize like he's basically had his soul sucked. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh God, like, like now my relationship has changed with even this guy, and I thought he was the bad guy. Sure, but he is purely transactional in, yeah. in the way that Paul Newman isn't, or at least Paul Newman learns to be um, by the end of this movie. But um, yeah, w- what's so interesting about it is you have the sort of the climactic game, the climactic, like if you're thinking about it in terms of sports movies, this is the game that would come in the last 15 minutes, happens at the beginning. And it's long, and you know, there's so many crossfades. The movie oh is my just God. impeccably edited. Yes, it is. Like the passage of time is just like, it's felt. 
Um, and then you revisit the same pool hall, the rematch, Jackie Gleason and Newman, and it's short. It's like Happens. five minutes. Yeah. And, Tiny. It, and like, that's because the climactic game, like the actual, the sort of the game for plot purposes has happened already. And now it's about character. It's about personal growth. You know, it's not about pool skill anymore because Newman no. always had the pool skill. It's about learning when to walk away. Yep. Right. Yep. It's not about the game at all, really, at that point, because because I think the last uh, pool game they have, I don't think Minnesota Fatsy doesn't win a single game. And basically established like, yep, this is it. He's gotten to that point where he can finally sort of take responsibility for himself. And, but and can walk away. Yeah, exactly. I, I exactly. Love, yeah. Roger Ebert put this perfectly in his review for it. Uh, he said this is one of the few American movies in which the hero learns by surrendering, mm. by accepting reality instead of his dreams. Yep. Right. So there's like a sort of double edged sword to it. There's like this victory of like, oh, I finally won. I'm finally the greatest pool player in like the, you know, the Midwest or whatever. But <laughs> at the same time, I've done that by surrendering my soul. Um, it's just a great ending. I love it when that ending. happens. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it, it does sort of capture, especially in that opening scene, speaking about gambling movies again. Right. Like this is more on the the gambler Mississippi grind side of things sort of than it is rounders. Um, it's a little more intimate than that and quiet. Like you think of you, when we were looking back on this and doing the gambling pot, I think we thought it was more of a gambling movie, but it is very, you know, deliberately slow. And a lot of it seems to take place in, you know, just apartment complexes with it's, it's sort of, um, like again, also intentionally meandering feel of a guy sitting with sort of the damage he's caused. Yes. So it's not really a gambling in that like the gambling takes up about, I don't know, like half an hour of the movie. Maybe. Right. But it does sort of capture the desperation of it. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's so cool about that opening scene. It's like, dude, I have been there, done that, <laughs> sitting at a poker table till <laughs> four in the morning, not wanting to go. Mm -hmm. And like someone needs to just tell me, Nico, it's over. It's like I've sat through many poker games in my life. I have never been the guy to break it up. <laughs> I have never been the person. And every time everybody turns to me, they say, all right, what do you think, Anika? We're going to wrap up in a couple of hands. I'm like, you're not asking me. They know not to ask me anymore because yeah. I will fucking sit there until everybody at the table says I want to go to bed. Yep. Um, I mean, that is something I can definitely relate sure. to, right? Yeah. It's never enough. That is the thing about gambling, right? It's it's a bottomless pit. Yeah. There There is no Super Bowl trophy that <laughs> you win the super bowl and it's great you know or like i win the world series you know i get my ring i have won this season it's like no man there's the season just keeps going in yep. poker the season keeps going in pool right you just you can always play another game till the other guy says he wants to stop so <laughs> like i could definitely relate to that opening yep. Yep. for sure oh. um yeah th this movie rules one of the first mainstream hollywood films to use the word bastard Oh, okay. And also one of the first Hollywood films with a pre-credit sequence, a cold open. I noticed that too. I was like, yeah, at this time, that's that's a little different. Super rare. Yeah, it's cool. Super rare for the time. Uh, I always think when I see this movie, it must have taken them like a million takes to, to make these fucking shots because you watch them. It's shocking how little cutting there is. Like yeah. when like, and apparently Jackie Gleason's like a very good pool player. Is he? Yeah. yeah. So a lot of those shots he actually made. Paul Newman had not picked up a pool stick before even like, really cast for the movie. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, he had to learn it all. And he like he like bought a uh, a pool table and put it in his basement and just like nonstop practice to get these shots right, because they're not really using doubles. Some of the trick shots, they use doubles. They're wides, too, is the thing. A lot of them. They're wides and they require like multiple shots. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Fast Eddie will like go on a roll of like four or five balls at once and he's got to make all of them. And if yep. you miss one of them, we have to do the thing all over again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's a lot of film wasted on takes, by the way. Yeah, I would hope they had a few cameras set up. Yeah, but, but back then a multiple camera setup is also not quite the thing to do. Yeah, it, it must have been a nightmare. It must have been a total nightmare. But then you think about uh, the sort of the similarities uh, later on with Color of Money. Which is another movie that I like. Yeah. I do like Color of Money. Do you like this more? Yes. I think. think. I think I do too. Color of Money's good though. That's a that's a underrated sequel. That movie's solid. Yeah. Yeah. Great script. Richard Price script. Similar. Paul Newman won the Oscar for that one though. Yes, he did. Kind of a makeup call. I guess. Yeah. Lifetime achievement. Like. He's good in that, but like, yeah, I, I understand. Similarly great editing in that, but what do you want? It's a Scorsese film. Yeah. The Hustler. Really good. Really good. There it is. Now what? We move on to Judgment at Nuremberg. Oh. Oh. Directed by Stanley Kramer. Starring Spencer Tracy, Burt Lancaster, Marlon Dietrich, 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 Maximilian Schell, Judy Garland, Montgomery Clift, and a young William Shatner. Yeah. Kind of a surprise, isn't it? The only surviving member from this movie. The only one. Wow. Is that right? Yeah. Damn. Shat, man. He should have been gone. He's fucking 90. Young and dashing. He's still young and dashing. He's going to space. Have you seen that guy? He's already been to space. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Love him. Uh, Winner of Best Actor, Maximilian Schell. So interesting, because I'm watching the movie. I'm like, this guy's fucking stealing the show. Yeah. It just like... It, 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 a dominant performance. Oh my god, by that yeah. dude! Yeah, um, and also won best adapted screenplay, but got a bunch of nominations. Uh, one, uh, you know, nominated for best picture. Tracy got a nomination. Clift got a nomination. Garland got a nomination, uh, and then director, cinematography, art direction, costume design, and editing. Okay. Uh, in 1948, an American court is occupied uh, in occupied Germany. Tries four judges, judged for war crimes. Uh, Nazi judges, I should say. Uh, this movie's awesome. Thank you. This movie's really good. Like, <laughs> and I was expecting like, you know, a kind of stiff, austere, like Hollywood drama that no. gets kind of preachy and like, it is that at times, like I have some problems with the third act of this movie, particularly like the last like 30 minutes of the movie not into it it's long by the way yes three hours long uh but it's really good i mean these are just like a bunch of actors at the top of their game just like executing well-written material with like a lot of interesting ideas extremely well-written it's a movie that doesn't quite pull punches until it sort of does by the end i agree i have a problem with the end we'll talk about i I sort of agree i agree with like uh uh, burt lancaster's monologue it's well done but that's the Hollywood. It's the worst part of the movie. It's the it's the most Hollywood thing about it. Yeah. Um. But it's 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 extraordinary. It's one of my favorite films on this list. Actually, it's really good. I think you have a movie. I, it's it's been a long time. You know what? Well, 
man, I don't know. I don't know if it's, it's, I've seen a movie quite like this that is, is in such a contained space that feels so frenetic and exciting. Like the way Stanley Kramer is directing this thing is really exciting. How yeah. he's moving the camera around from person to person in those incredible zooms to the, when he chooses to cut to someone really enforcing a point where someone's on the stand, it never really loses its muster. It is a, here's the thing. It's yeah, it's like two and a half hours long, but I rewatched it, man. This thing goes. I, I watched a full three hour cut. I don't know which wow, one you watched. Wow, yeah, yeah. yeah my, mine was, I don't know if it was like the extended cut or whatever. It, it might have been a three hour. Clocked version. in at yeah. three hours on yeah. the dot. Very hard to find, by the way. You can't rent this movie anywhere. I think you need like the DVD in order to, or you just steal it. Um, but yeah, it, it is long, but you're right. It does move and it moves because of like very simple directorial choices. Sure. Just like really simple framing devices, character in the foreground, character in the background, watch them sort of look at, look each, at other. each other, which I love. I mean, it's, you know, it's a movie about the gays in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not like homosexuals, the literal gays no. <laughs> perspective, like it's a, human yes. perspective about like, yeah, the human gaze. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it just nails it. Stanley Kramer just directs the shit out of this. Yeah. To think this guy made It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Yeah, I guess it does make sense. That's a similar movie in that way. That it yeah. just never lets up. Never not, lets up. Not about gays, but uh, about cars crashing into shit. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it's mostly diegetic sound or, yep. and, and music if there's any music. I mean, there's very little music in it. Most of the courtroom scenes are just like silent monologues. Well, the music at the end, at the beginning at the end with the... I I think that was, I don't know if I forgot what that was. It what what some kind of, German war song, whatever yeah, that plays when before the the Nazi uh, the when the swastika is blown up at the right. Nuremberg rallies, right? Yeah, but beyond that, like there's not a ton of music at all. Um, it's mostly just a movie about like fucking Spencer Tracy sitting there with a judge's robe on, just like wincing and doing yeah. his old man thing where he's got his, his hand in his palm. <laughs> so <laughs> many takes of that. My God, this guy is so old. He was always old. This He's only like 60 in this movie. Like he's not like, a, but like he's just, he was one of those guys just born an old man. Always old. Yeah. Always an old man. Um, but he's good. And you know, most of this cast is good. Like Judy Garland shows up for a cameo and it's nice. I think she's really good in the movie. She's good. Montgomery Clift is really good in the movie as well mm-hmm. as the castrated guy mm-hmm. or the sterilized guy. Maybe. Sterilized. Yes. Um, and then Maximilian Shell wreaking havoc. Who's this guy? <laughs> it's like know, you're watching right? them. So here's the story with this. They did a uh, a television play version of this thing for this Playhouse 90 series, 1959. I think it's the same script or basically the same script. And Maximilian Schell plays the character in that uh, version. And I guess the producers of the movie saw him in that and was like, yeah, we need to put this guy mm-hmm. in the, the big uh, theatrical movie. But Brando wanted that role. He lobbied for the role. And they said no to Brando. Wow. They said no to Brando. That's amazing. Yeah. He, he went to fucking Stanley Kramer and the, the screenwriter, Abby Mann. He was like, I really want to do this. And they said no to him. And I think they made the right call. Yeah. Which is insane. What a crazy thing to admit to yourself that Brando would have been a bad choice. Right. Or would have been a worse choice than this guy. That's I think, true. Yeah. I can't think of a, a better guy than this. It's insanely good. Again, another one of those performances I see it and I'm like, there's no fucking way this guy didn't win the Academy Award. Mm-hmm. It is that good. Yep. Uh, boy, I, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I think one of the things that strikes me about this movie more than anything is like you could have played it all in the court scene the courtroom and it would have been enough Mm -hmm. um but it's amazing how the movie decides okay we need to 
sit on this judge taking the time to actually deal with whether or not it's a good idea to convict these guys. So we just have scenes of Spencer Tracy walking around Nuremberg Mm -hmm. and interacting with the German people and kind of growing to love the German people in many ways, but also seeing that horrible veil that they've thrown over themselves to make themselves feel better and not fully fessing up to the horrors that that happened. And it's a really great internal battle that he's dealing with throughout the entirety of the movie. And I quite love it. Well, I'll tell you a story about this. So uh, my grandfather's German, Mm -hmm. grew up in Nazi Germany, was born, I think, 1930 something, Uh, was a child during World War Two, had to flee Germany during World War Two. Father not involved in the Nazi thing at all. Uh, In fact, my grandfather became a, you know, a soldier in the United States military, Mm -hmm. whatever, served his time, yada, yada, yada. I talked to him about World War II a lot. Mm. Ask him questions. What was it like? Whatever. Like, you know, what were, were Germans aware of the Hitler thing as it was happening? Do you know what I mean? And I'll tell you what, the answers that I get from him, I hate to say this. I love my grandfather. And my grandfather obviously is not a Nazi. He was a boy. Sound a lot like the answers that the Germans gave to Spencer Tracy in this. They just don't want to admit it. It's so funny. It's 2021 now. It's been a lifetime. It's been several lifetimes since this event happened. Yep. But there's still a little, and my grandfather's almost 90, and he still hangs on to, eh, you know, the, the the Nazis did some bad things. But. But. We got the Autobahn. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It, a lot of that stuff in there, you know, and it's just colors it. And I can't blame him. I mean, the guy, he's an old man. You know what I mean? Like my grandfather is, you know, since he's more American now than he is German. I mean, there's a very little German part of him left, but still it's like, ah, and actually he, we call him, uh, his name is Opie. I call my <laughs> grandfather Opie in the movie. They actually refer to Spencer Tracy as Opa at one point. Cause it means grandfather. But I say to every once in a while, like damn Opie, that's some cold ass shit. Well, th- this movie's, I, you, it's, it's right. You know, your grandfather is, is right in a way. He, you know, this movie does a really, really special thing in that it, it doesn't vilify the German people at all. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things I love so much about is that it could have been so easy to say, look at this incredible mob of a country that is just shunned now and they feel bad, even though deep down they're still monsters. And that's just not the case at all. Right. A lot of them are kind of victims in that not in a horrible system that they were forced to deal with. And they were forced to deal with it because after World War One, uh, Germany's in basically ruin. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it hardly operates. Mm. So they were willing to latch on to anything that could bring them out of the shit. Mm. And that's why Nazi Germany prevails. They even talk about that in the movie. And they give like a, like a psychological breakdown essentially of like why people would just latch on to any lifeboat. And that's essentially what Nazi Germany was. Mm. So it's it's fucked up as it is to say, yeah, from from that perspective, it's understandable. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I do get it. Seeing yeah. it firsthand, it's like, here's a guy with like a big heart and like, you know, and yeah. is aware of everything that went on and stuff. But and I don't even think like the word apologist is right. Because no. He's not really an apologist or like a Holocaust denier or anything like that. But there is a part of you where it's like the pride that you have for your country yeah. or the fact that, you know, you had relatives that stood around as your country was doing these atrocious things. Mm-hmm. It is, it's human nature to sort of be a little defensive about it. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, a, still a thing that exists. Um, 
And one of the reasons why it's so hard to learn from examples like this, and one of the reasons why why it's going to continue to happen, is you can always, you know, maybe like the Holocaust won't happen again one day, (laughs) but there will be other atrocities committed in the name of some sort of government or some sort of higher power. Um, And you're always going to hear stuff like, yeah, we're just not political. You know, we just yeah. didn't really know what was going on. We knew it was bad, but we didn't know it was this bad. It's yeah. we never thought it would go this far. And it's like and it, th- that's the great Spencer Tracy line at the yeah. end of the movie. It's like once you convicted one innocent man, you had already gone too far. The gate was open. That's the right. Idea, yeah. So it doesn't matter. like there. There is no such thing as like sacrificing your principles for one exception because you don't think it's ever going to get this bad. Mm-hmm. It's like once you you kill one guy in a labor camp. Like, that's it. You're done. It, yeah. Right. You've lost your soul. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is really interesting because a lot of that dialogue that I heard in this it's movie, it's like, God, I've heard this before, but it's sad though. It is you sad. Know, like, like the fact that that's what they have to resort to, even though like, I understand why, like I said before, I understand why you're resorting to it, but the fact that you're forced to do that is what's so terrible. Yes. I, and you're, you're absolutely right about that too, where it's like, you know, like just not taking a certain level of responsibility despite pride for one, one's country, like one's life is not as valuable as like the idea of a country sure or no no jesus christ no opposite opposite yeah, ob- opposite yeah, gotcha gotcha please god opposite <laughs> one life is understand more va- what you mean one life is more valuable than the idea of a country right that's what i'm saying yeah right um yeah real interesting stuff <laughs> and and but again that's kind of why i resent the last like 30 minutes of the movie the burt lancaster thing when he like takes responsibility like that was all implied already yeah right he had already felt a tremendous amount of guilt and you have that scene at the end with spencer tracy and it's a perfect button at the yeah. end yeah oh it's so good but it, yeah. Then in the middle, you have all this schmaltzy like monologuing and it's very heavy handed and it's very preachy and it kind of feels like a, a, a civics lecture for a lot of it. Just for the Burt Lancaster scene? The Burt Lancaster scene yeah, in particular. But, then, but also the, eh, the the Spencer Tracy thing at the end. Or the, sorry, the, the verdict that he gives, the monologue that he gives during his verdict. Yeah, I understand that. That was a little much. I just thought all of that was so beautifully implied and Kramer just kept going with it, you know? Uh you know, not to say that I didn't really like the movie. I really do. It's like oh, a I really smart, yeah. layered, complex movie. Yeah. Um, I, I just didn't like. I guess I didn't like that Burt, Can- Burt Lancaster took such responsibility. Like you, you know, you didn't. You didn't feel like it was necessary. I didn't to. buy it. I didn't buy it. I, I I saw it coming is the thing. You definitely watch it and you see like the way they're focusing on that character. Just cinematically, it makes sense to go there, but it's more of like a product of its time. I think, yes. I think nowadays, if you give this to a, a more cynical studio, maybe not even cynical, just like a more realistic storyteller where they say like, in, in reality, the person is just not going to do this. And maybe that's a little stronger because mm-hmm. that is a very Hollywood moment monologue Mm -hmm. where the character just finally gets up in front of all the audience and says, this is why we deserve to be punished. And I agree. I I don't think it's poorly performed. I think his performance is is very good. And I, I don't think it's even poorly written for what it is, but I kind of agree. I'm not, I'm not really sure we needed it. Yeah. So, uh, it is bar none, the greatest use of translation, Oh my God. Isn't that great? Isn't that so smart? I forgot to mention that. How have they not learned? Like literally 1961, they cracked the code yet. I'm still watching fucking Chernobyl and they're trying to like pretend that all the fucking, you know, Russians or whatever speak perfect English. And they all have like English accents. No, it's like fuck off with that shit. That's different. No, they they do it perfectly here. Yes. This is exactly how you ought to do it. At first you establish that 
Yes, these are German speaking in German. These are English people speak, speak or uh, American speaking in English, whatever. At first, they have to use the little headsets for the translation. And then you do a stylistic choice to establish in this world, there is still translating. It's just we are doing this for your own convenience. Yes. There's a little push zoom, and that's all it takes. And immediately I got it. And it's like every movie should do this. Start with them speaking in their native tongue and then change the translation like five minutes in. Yeah. It's really good. Best I've ever seen. I don't it know is why great. more movies don't do this now. Well, I think it's because here's the thing, because I get it. I understand that, that that's what they're doing, but I'm not sure everybody will. Do you think everyone is going to get that? Because I understand, like, if some people here's I, I completely get it. It's, someone, it's better than fucking Liam Neeson. Like if someone you know, <laughs> speaking perfect English throughout all of Schindler's list. But <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's OK. But that's like suspending your disbelief. You, you understand what's happening, though. It's different in that way. Yeah. Like here, I I think it's a brilliant directorial move. Yes. I think it's a I think it's a, a great way to illustrate that idea. But I understand if some people watch this version and they're like, why do they all all of a sudden just start speaking English? Oh, come on. Then you're a fucking idiot. But they would. Then you know it. what? You've never you don't know what Nuremberg is, <laughs> if that's the case. All right. If you if you wouldn't get that. It's re- it's excellent. It is the best use of the of the like fake translation. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So so good. It is great. Yeah. I yeah. think I think it's really smart. Yeah. Um yeah. Movie rules. It's sturdy. It's just a sturdy movie. It, it's reliable. Yeah. It doesn't let up. Yeah. Yeah. Chugs along, man. And I think that the, I think just my favorite line is just, uh, you know, just cause it's logical doesn't make it right. I'm like, yeah. Like touches my heart. Cause that's something I've always believed. Right. <laughs> but I mean that look, cause also they don't give you like the easy ethics. Of no. Like, here's the bad lawyer. Here's the Saul Goodman lawyer. And here's Atticus Finch. Like no. it's nothing like that. No, but especially for a movie in 1961 where breakfast at Tiffany comes out and sort of simplifies a lot of these things. Whereas right. this one says, no, we're taking this seriously. We're not really going to cut those corners. Yes. I think it's great. And then Maximilian yeah. shell, like, you know, he's not really a villain. I mean, he's like a skilled defense lawyer and the movie gives him credit for being a skilled defense lawyer while acknowledging that what he's defending is pure evil. Terrible. You know, but it's funny. They, they, they play it off. Like, like he's kind of noble at what he's doing. And then the movie turns it around to be like, he's been enacting in a lot of the troubling things that we've been doing all along. And he's similarly not taking responsibility. Justification. Yeah, exactly. But at least like he's paid to do it. Yes. Like at least that's his job to do it. You know? Mm hmm. Um, so it doesn't let him off the hook either, which they, they shouldn't, but again, they, they do that wonderful balance. They understand why he would be doing what he's doing, but they also punish him for it in a bit. No, it's a, it's a movie about blame. It's about who is guilty of what everybody's to blame. Everybody's to blame. Everybody is. (laughs) That's the general idea, I guess. Sure. (laughs) According to Stanley Kramer, a young New York stage actor in a small part held up a production at one point. He was trying to understand his motivation in a brief shot which called for him to enter a room, cross to a table, and wait for Spencer Tracy to enter to hand him a folder. He wanted to know his motivation. At 10.15 a.m., after sitting in the dressing room since 9 a.m., waiting to make his entrance, Tracy stormed onto the set and said, Look it! You come in the fucking door, and you cross the fucking room, and you go to the fucking table, because it's the only way to get to the fucking room. That's your motivation. Who said that? Kramer? Tracy. Oh, Tracy. <laughs> thought that was a cute little anecdote who is he saying that to to some actor on the set who's like i need to know my motivation for walking in walking through a doorway what's my motivation 
Jesus. Tracy was always an old man. That's what I love about yeah, that love guy. It. It's like he's always a disgruntled, like he's too good to be on set. I love Spencer Tracy. It's though. like, guys, I got a fucking buffet to get to at four o'clock at the retirement community. Can we move this along? That's a blue collar dude. I love Spencer Tracy. God, and that's that stories like that. Like, oh, fucking actors, man. <laughs> fucking act. You know who it probably was? Was um, uh, Montgomery Clift. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Great in the movie, though. Yeah. He like showed up. He was like hammered out of his mind and like disheveled. And Stanley Kramer's like, perfect. <laughs> Stay like that. Method actors, though, man. <laughs> Method actors. All right. Uh, next up. Yeah. West Side Story. And, Ever heard of it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Directed by Jerome Robbins and Robert Wise. Jerome Robbins, the stage director. Robert Wise, the, uh, the Hollywood vet. Jerome Robbins uh, initially was going to get brought on by the studio to just do the whole movie. But then they're like, this guy's not like competent. He's like a stage director. He's going to drive us nuts. And turns out he gets on set and he drives everybody fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. He starts doing these elaborate choreographed uh, sequences where like actors are jumping over chain linked fences and down brick walls and guys are getting hurt left and right and they're going way over budget and they're like 15 days late in terms of when they had to get the 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 movie done and they're just like dude we can't do this anymore you're a maniac (laughs) so they fired him and then robert wise just came back in and basically did the cleanup work like did all the dramatic scenes but for the most part the jerome robbins like musical numbers and dance sequences are all there i see okay the movie stars Natalie Wood, George Chirakis, 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 Robert Primer, and Rita Moreno. Winner of Best Picture, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, Director, Cinematography, Art Direction, Costume Design, Sound Editing, and Original Score. The only thing it lost was Adapted Screenplay. Two youngsters from rival New York gangs fall in love, but tensions between their respective friends build toward tragedy. Ooh. It's, it's based on Romeo and Juliet. Is it? I thought it was based on Hamlet. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, by the way, here's the Twin Peaks reference that you missed. What did I miss? Who plays Tony? <laughs> oh, come on. Come on, Nico. Who is he in Twin Peaks? Ben Horn. No shit. Yeah. Oh. So he gets shot in this movie. Oh. Dies, goes to Twin Peaks, and he becomes this corrupt guy who's uh, seducing women and, and causing conspiracy and stuff. So this is a prequel, yes, to Twin Peaks. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Look at that. Ben Horn. Yep. It's kind of weird seeing Ben Horn not be a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Ben Horn's the best. Yeah, he is. God, I love that character so much. Jerry, someone stole your car. Richard Beimer, look at yeah, that. Yeah, come on. Holy <laughs> shit. So that's, just, that's it. Just this and Twin Peaks for him. Basically, yeah. I love his train set in Twin Peaks. I oh my God. play with the train set. Fucking crazy. <laughs> and like the, world, the, the Civil War reenactments. It's so weird. I don't get what, I guess, you know what? I do get it. <laughs> Oh, man. I love that guy. Uh, wait, wait. Seduces Piper Laurie in Twin Peaks, too. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> it, it all goes Full back circle. to all goes back to Twin Peaks. Look at that. I love it. Um, what are your thoughts on the Spielberg thing? Really quick. Uh, you know, 
I would argue it's long overdue. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. I'd, I still to this day believe, yes, thank you, it's about time you made a goddamn musical. Yeah, but why this one? I don't know. Maybe this era speaks to him a little bit more? I don't know. Maybe it's the energy, it's the vibe, it's maybe these particular characters and their personal struggle. It's, uh, I don't know if the, all these themes are the things that Spielberg that has been totally interested in. I mean, he likes like a lot of like troubled parent movies and that's sure. not quite what this is. There's a little bit of that there, I guess. He's not like Mr. Forbidden Romance though. I wouldn't necessarily call like him a romantic director. Why can't he be though? Well, I guess we'll find out. I'm, I'm, don't think his I don't think his sentimentality can't lead to this and I certainly think his you know eye for a good shot is going to lead to this and his eye for movement. I'm just a little conflicted like the greatest filmmaker of his or at least the most important filmmaker of his generation. Mm-hmm. Certainly the most important living director is just like yeah, I'm going to do like IP and like remakes and like Cold War dramas for the rest of my career. This is bothering you on a principle. A little, kind of. You were on board for it for a second and now you're rethinking it. I Yeah, I think I am. Well, because I looked at his IMDb page the other day. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, the post Bridge of Spies War Horse. It's like, all right, you've made it clear you want to do Munich for the rest of your life. Fine. You, you know, you just want to make historical dramas because you're a history buff. All right. I can get behind that. That's like an old man director move. But then it's like, I'm going to do the BFG ready player one. And now a fucking West side story remake. It's like, what are we doing here? It's weird, isn't it? Why are we wasting your years? Just like doing fucking like YA adaptations <laughs> and like remakes of beloved musical. It's like, what are you, how are you going to improve West side story? Uh, what are we doing here? Well, if anybody's going to do it, might as well be Spielberg. Why? I, I like, I don't know. I'm very conflicted. Why not? I'm very conflicted. <laughs> it's not like he's not going to be making movies afterwards. I'll admit, I saw the trailer and I'm like, this looks incredible. It like, does. Sign me up on their day it looks one. looks fucking amazing. But then I'm like, dude, there's only so many years left. I mean, he's not a young man. <laughs> what do you want from what, him? What is he in his 70s now? Yeah, probably. He's an old man. What do you want from him? I don't know. I... I Dude, not this, not IP. He's already. I mean, we're this close to making a Marvel movie. Do you know what I mean? Well, he's been wanting to make a James Bond film for ages. Yeah. Okay, Bond, I'd be into. That's a little different. Really? See, I'm more interested in him doing West Side Story. Okay. Yeah, that's funny. We're just like we're really fucking close to being like you know we're doing a new Hunger Games trilogy yeah, and yeah, Spielberg yeah. is gonna helm it. Like it's uh, weird. Yeah, it's weird. Like I I don't know how I feel. Or you know he does like these like again sturdy stoic you know bridge of spies the post whatever and i like bridge of spies you know i like I mean? bridge of spies too. i love that bridge man yeah i do i do too gotta walk the bridge i want him to make more munichs frankly yeah that's, that's you i love munich yeah i fucking adore munich if you want like a more uh, adult spielberg which is something i've been interested in seeing or certainly a more cynical spielberg i haven't seen that out of him aside from munich that's about it Munich's about the only cynicism I've seen out of that guy. But since it doesn't seem like we're going to be getting that, like what's the alternative? And it's like, oh, West Side Story. I'd love to see how you represent that story. He Uh, is doing a personal, they say, quote unquote, personal film called The Fablemans. And uh, Seth Rogen's in it. Paul Dano's in it. Michelle Williams. And evidently, it's a loose retelling of his own childhood. Yeah. So it's basically like E.T. without the alien. Oh, 
<laughs> so, I mean, and, that that I'm, I guess, sort of interested in. Like, it's kind of weird that the guy just doesn't seem to have any passion projects. The, this is the thing, though. Like, dude, like, after you make something like Schindler's List, you, you'd you think you have, like, a like an Elm Klimoff reaction with Come and See, and you're like, done. I don't right. have anything else to say. That's it. Right. Right. So, so, I mean, I'm just grateful that he's making movies at all. Still. I guess. Like what, what else does he have to prove? He's Steven Spielberg. No, there's nothing to prove. <laughs> I just want to see him do some weird shit. I think that's kind of what Is I'm asking ever, for. What's his weird shit to you? AI? AI's weird shit. AI's <laughs> weird shit. AI's, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't, that's, I, I guess that's kind of my point. It's yes. like he's, he, he's he playing it safe. Tintin. He's playing it safe. It's like a million people can do Tintin. Yeah, we don't need Steven fucking Spielberg to spend three years of his life doing that. You, what you want, I think, is you want him to give us another like life changing movie like Jurassic Park or something. Like, is that what was that? Was that his last one? His last masterpiece? Well, no, I mean, I don't. I'm not. I mean, Saving Private Ryan is his last like masterpiece, masterpiece yeah. right? No, but I mean, like, like changed movies. Is that what you're yeah, looking for? I you think, want a movie that changes right. movies? Yeah. He's changed the movies. Like, Coppola's like, been, like, trying to do this Utopia movie for, like, 30 years. Oh he just God. got the money. Like, it's going to cost, like, a billion dollars or something. Like, that's what I want him to do. Just go nuts. You're Spielberg. <laughs> do whatever you want. He might do that eventually. He's, got, he's still got time, man. He's got time, I guess. Dude, fucking Clint Eastwood is still making movies. Yeah. And he needs to stop. No. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Have you seen Cry Macho yet? No. It's not very good. No, it didn't look very good. <laughs> I don't know. It's not bad. I liked it. But I liked it as like like a feat of like uh, of like stunt work. Like I'm watching this. I'm like, this guy has a hunchback and looks like he's about to break into a million pieces. But he got on a fucking horse. Like I'm watching this as if I'm watching like an X Games. You know? <laughs> he was it's like, how is he doing this right now? Yeah. That man survived a helicopter crash. Did indeed. Did, so did Harrison Ford. A helicopter plane crash. Yeah. Plane crash. Not by his own doing, but yes. Yes, I know. <laughs> it happens, you know? Happens. It happens. Shit happens. Uh all right, West Side Story. Um Bernstein, Sondheim. Uh, amazing, right? Uh shot selection, unlike anything. Uh editing. Editing. And let's talk Holy about shit. editing here. Because it's like the whole conversation. It's like the best edited movie I've ever seen. It's insanely good <laughs> listen i get it if acting has sort of taken a hit in like our modern day sort of cinematic landscape i get it you know like the, the era of the movie star is now dead acting hard to really like improve on acting sure i get it if like writing is not as good as it was 50 years ago 100 years ago like i understand if these things sort of get stagnant what i do not understand for the fucking life of me i will never get this take any movie that has come out in the last 10 years with the exception of like five of them and compare them to West Side Story. How has cinematography and editing gotten this bad? Yeah. Like, why is it that like fucking every you look at the trailer for Eternals, you look at fucking, you know, the latest um, like a Jason Statham action vehicle or whatever. How has it gotten this bad? How has technology betrayed us so much? Why are shots year after year getting worse? <laughs> I don't get, this is the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and it came out 60 years ago. What are we doing here? What, can you explain to me what happened? Like how we've devolved this much as a society? Oh man. Well, the seventies happened. Yeah, that's part of it. the 70s took an approach of let's be a little looser about these things because this is rigid, like 
to a point where it could be off-putting to those who have are more into the more avant-garde style. To me, it's so well captured here that I do not care. Like I'm in it instantaneously mm. and I get the mood, I get the feeling, I get the rhythm and the movement, every every single thing. I'm just in this world that is everything is constructed. Mm. But you know, strangely it's it's it, it it I'm never taken out of the the constructed elements. I'm very much uh, enraptured by them. Fair enough. But that's what it is. Still, look at a movie in the 90s. Look at fucking Mrs. Doubtfire compared to like a random like Catherine Heigl comedy, you know, that comes out now. That's true. That's even like more vibrant. That's fucking Lawrence of Arabia compared to what we're getting today. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like shitty movies, disposable movies from the 80s and 90s look so much better than the movies that came out now. I cannot for the life of me understand why the best shot movies ever, the most beautiful movies ever came out 70 years ago and we haven't improved at all. We've gotten worse over the years. The one innovation that you would think would grow in you know the greatest because of technology that would benefit the most from an increase in like what cameras can do yeah you know how much you can you can do in terms of depth of field high definition versus standard definition that's not what makes a good shot i mean that's what it is (laughs) so much more to it than that but it's actually it's hurt the cause it's hurt the cause i think there you're this is this brings up a problem i have with friends of mine who are filmmakers is that they are obsessed with the technology yes and they're not obsessed with how they can create an image yeah i i I will never understand that i will never understand like guys why don't you start by constructing this shot first and figuring out where the camera is going to move very carefully just make a like a piece that's chiseled into stone, please. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Essentially. Dude. That's what this is. It's phenomenal. Just as a, it, the technical artistry here is enough. Like, even if I didn't love the story here, even if I didn't love the performances, even if I didn't love the two leads, the the joy of seeing them put this together is enough for me. It's top two, three favorite musical. Oh, gotta be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you say it's the best, like, sure, I can't argue. Yeah, with that's that. fine. That's yeah, perfectly fine. In the rain, I guess, maybe. Wizard of Oz, I guess, maybe. But, like, yeah, that's the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, literally, all five of the movies that we talked about today look better than any movie that came out this year. It, it, how insane is that? This was 60 years ago, Adam. Yeah. Is there any other, like, like fucking yo yoers have gotten better at yo yoing? <laughs> Because of technology. Fucking, you know, chefs have gotten better at making food because of technology, right? Musicians have gotten better at making music because of technology. For some reason, filmmaking is just stuck. It's like (laughs) they keep shooting themselves in the foot. Every innovation. Now you can shoot things on your iPhone. So now they shoot every movie like it's shot in an iPhone. And it looks horrendous. It's so bad. It has never been less expensive to make a movie you have never had more tools at your disposal in terms of post-production and camera work than now yet everything looks like dog shit i don't get it every blockbuster looks like dog shit now it looks the same too it's crazy dude it's so fucking nuts and you see this one and you're like fucking jerome robbins is like it's like fucking john wick or the matrix like (laughs) what he's able to do Yeah, it's choreography, it's dance, it's beautiful, it's balletic, it's all of that shit. Yeah. But it's like great action. Like it's yeah. like it's it's unbelievable what he's able to do here. This is a funny point you bring up because it is great action. It is a certain filmmaker's favorite movie of all time. Can you guess which relatively new filmmaker it is? Well, it's gotta be an action filmmaker, you're saying? Um 
made made him want to make movies. It's not Michael Bay, is it? It's Michael Bay. Wow. <laughs> this is Michael Bay. This movie, the greatest sin that it ever committed is that it gave us Michael fucking Bay. Holy shit. There is one cut. And he's right. Like, I, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm complimenting Michael Bay here. There is a certain transition match with movement that is just the most invigorating thing that I've seen. And it's when uh, the lead... Uh, uh, shark spins into the camera lens and then we transition out to his back yeah. and he's spinning away. Right. And that's the it shot goes that goes right through his body. Essentially. That's the shot that made Michael baby like, there it is. Yeah. This is what I'm born to do. Right. And I get it. I get how this movie could infuse you with that joy. Cause it's full of it, man. Yeah. It invented Bayham. This yeah. movie. Think about that. Yeah. Where does it all start? West side story. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, again, like I understand why so many people got hurt during this because, like, this is what like stunt double should be doing. It's stunt like, double should be climbing fences. Like it is it. the Mad Max Fury Road of musicals. Yeah, it it's honestly insane. is. It's big and epic and crazy. And there's a very beautiful distinction, by the way, between the way the sharks dance and the way the jets dance, mm-hmm. and how one is like clearly they've gone through a lot of shit and they're mannered and they take their dancing a little more seriously, but it's still lively and energetic. Mm. And the other one is like juveniles dancing sure. that is fast and it's all they're always running they have a tremendous amount of energy and it's like like controlled chaos yes and it like it's a, it just feels like children fucking around right in in the right kind of way though yeah um it, it, yeah like it's it's similar to mad max in that like you need a george miller type director you know like similar to like coppola with apocalypse now it's like you need a guy that just has the courage to just say fuck this and like if Robert Wise does this by himself, it's not nearly as sure. good a film. What if George Miller directs the West Side Story remake? There we go. Sign me up for that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, like, but no, my whole thing is like, this is exactly the kind of movie you don't need to remake. Like it's no, you know, you're right I mean? about that. Yeah, there's the, nothing can be improved here. I mean, no, but I, it's a, it's a, it's a classic classic musicals are going to get made from now until the end of time. I get it. This is not, this new one coming up is not going to be the last West side story. Remake. Uh, sure. I guarantee it. Fair enough. So if they're going to do it, okay, fine. Like I'm not, I, we, what can we say? We're not stopping them. No, I know. <laughs> All we and can do listen, is complain. And they're not stopping me from <laughs> no. buying a ticket. Cause I am yeah. absolutely going there opening weekend to see this. And I got news for you, Nico. It's probably going to be really good. Probably. It's probably gonna yeah. Be really good. I'm probably going to fawn all over it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, the music here, uh, Sondheim and, and Bernstein are just on another. Yep. What's your favorite song in this movie? Hmm. Oh, great question. Fuck. Man, I don't know. I love I love the song that Maria and Tony sing to themselves on the stairs. There's a place for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So was it someday? Yeah. Uh someday's good. I don't know. I like America. I like the one that, that's the one with the Puerto Ricans are singing like by oh. themselves at the beginning. That's actually that might be my favorite like in terms of choreography. That might yeah, be my yeah, favorite I love that number. Too. That's really good. What's the one? Is that the same one when they go up onto the roof? Or- yeah, is it the yeah 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 that one? That's a great one. That's my mom's favorite. My mom actually performed this a lot. When oh really? She was younger, yeah, she loves this movie. Yeah, so. love that. Uh, love Maria. It's just a great song. Yeah, too. It's, it's just a great ballad. Yeah, I mean, just they're on another level here. These are just unbelievable. Um, 
songs again like i don't need to see ansel elgort sing this shit but i get again i see i see ansel elgort and then i see tony i'm like i get why they picked i guess ansel elgort. i guess so much good i mean like it's just fucking perfect like everything yes, in this it's movie it's like is a- so it's and you know once you get past the fact that like there are gangsters dancing with each other at the beginning it doesn't take and, like, very long show tunes well it reminds me you ever seen the snl sketch with norm the it's like uh I have not. It's not. It's not sharks and jets. It's like uh, snakes and <laughs> something else. <laughs> and so you know, it's the gang, whatever. And Norm Macdonald is like the leader of the gang. He's yeah. like, oh, the the. I think it's like the Pumas or the Jaguars are coming, right? The Jaguars are coming, <laughs> and they're the Cobras, right? And the Cobras, are, you know, they're like, all right, we gotta hide or whatever, you know, because the brother. And so all of his entire gang starts, you know, doing the musical numbers and the dance moves, and Norm is just like. What the fuck was that? You know, I'm not swearing, but what was that? <laughs> the guy goes, do you like my song? This is my favorite line in the sketch. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I like the song. I got a song for you. It was, well, you know, we're singing. I got stabbed in the face by a Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And then the Jaguars come and of course, they're doing the dance too. It, it's, it is, oh, it man. is the sketch that like, that's how you know that Norm Macdonald was did not belong on the cast of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it's like it's a perfect sketch about how out of place Norm is at any given moment. I like that. It's so good, but it like you know plays on that whole thing. But once you get past all that shit, well, you know, because you know me, I'm not a big show tunes guy. No, not really into the show tunes. It's infectious, though. Man. It is. Infectious. I, I don't know. Like it'd be. It, I think you could show this to many people, and they would kind of get it. Yeah. And I think a lot of that are the characters too. Like this isn't, it's not like old fifties Hollywood with people, you know, in the bright yellow coats, even though singing the rain's like my, I think it's my number one. Oh yeah. I love singing. In I the think rain. I like this better. It's close. Yeah. This is tour one. I rewatched. I'm like, fuck, this is a good movie. Neither as good as the Muppet movie, but that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Or South long South park, bigger, longer and uncut. There's true. That, there's that. Yeah. Too. Those are the main contenders. Yeah, Really? When you think about Greece too, or that one scene in, uh, what's that film? Shape of Water. That's the one. You couldn't even remember the name of the movie. What does that say about that? I said Shape film? of Water. I because I was thinking Sound. It's a horrible of, film. I was thinking Sound of Music. Right. And then I said Shape of Water because we're on the topic of musicals. I like that movie. Shape of Water. You hate it. Blows. You hate it so much, and it's a really good movie, and I don't understand. It blows. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, West Side Story. <laughs> like. What's there to say? The doc character, great. I mean, mm-hmm. tells that one line where he's like, "Do you kids ever stop? You make the world lousy." And there, I, I forget which character says it back, but he's like, "We didn't make it, doc. This is what it is." Yeah, uh, it's really good. You know, it's it's that's great just, script. Yeah, it's a great script, underrated script actually. Like the dialogue's like really good. Like there's a lot of like really cool stuff about like young love and also oh, just yeah. like the you know how violence corrupts and. It's also like a really good New York movie. Oh yeah. yeah. A great sense of place, everything about it, even though it is very like like back lot. Mm-hmm. It's it does they do a great job at at realizing it. I think it's a all, lot of that was shot on location though. Was it? Yeah. Wow. It's okay. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. It's it, all of it's well done. I there's never a point where I I'm not in it. Um if I'm to say anything, maybe perhaps Natalie Wood playing a Puerto Rican girl has an age grade. Not great. But what are you going to do? The makeup's bad. Well, Rita Moreno talked about this because she was one of the few actual Puerto Ricans to, you know, play a Puerto Rican in the movie. And they give all of the Puerto Ricans like that face paint or make, I shouldn't say face paint, it's makeup, but it makes all, you know, their skin's darker and it's like really unrealistic. 
And Rita Moreno recalls arriving on set, and they're like, we have to give you the same makeup so you match. And so she's there, an actual Hispanic woman, wearing, like, you know, brown face. It's not great. It's not great. Uh, Rita Moreno is in the new movie, though. Who's she playing? She's playing a reimagined version of the Doc character. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There. So wait. So it's another like gender reversal thing. Yes. Oh, so they did. They pulled a good Lee at Kynes. That's nice. Nothing wrong with that. They pulled the Ghostbusters. A Lee. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. That though. No. Like, like I think my Ghostbusters should be boys. Personally. Oh my God. Whatever. That's <laughs> the thing about ghost busting. Only boys do it. Did you know what I meant when I said Leah Kynes, by the way? I did not. Leah Kynes is in Dune. It's the girl ecologist that shows them the the harvester. You remember her? Okay. Yeah. That's supposed to be a man. In the book. Well, in the book, it's a man. Yeah. Okay. And she dies very differently in the book. So, yeah. But they do a lot of different stuff with her. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with that, though. Think about ghost busting, though. It's a man's job. Uh, <laughs> let's just be honest. What's what's What do you think uh, the... <laughs> What a we, stupid controversy that was. What are... <laughs> who the fuck cares? Like, these movies suck. Who, yes, who the hell cares? You, you hate that. I, I mean, I agree. It's a retarded... Co- uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really, really dumb controversy, but yeah. It's so stupid. It's like, it, it, come on. You hate that first movie, though. <laughs> no, I mean, they all suck. It's like, I don't care if men or women are ghostbusting. It's like, who gives a shit? Ghostbusting's a boy's job. Like that's, and that is why I'm dreading this new Ghostbusters. Is mm. a, once again we are gonna watch this movie as if the original is like this brilliant source text. Well, it is. But <laughs> see the fucking problem. It's like that. Okay, that's even not if like, you like it. No, that's cool if you like it or whatever. But that was a silly Bill Murray yes. like 80s comedy. Yes, and like, yes, yes. Leave it at that. Like it wasn't great because like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man <laughs> was like this brilliant figure from Roman mythology. You know what I'm saying? I understand that. I get it. Most people I think get that, but it's a piece of treasured nostalgia, Nico. It is and a piece of treasured nostalgia. And that's what this fucking new movie is yeah. going to do. It's going to yeah. be like, remember, remember when like fucking Harold Ramis made like a... Made fucking Casablanca. I mean, that's what it's going to be. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not into it. I've, I'm I've not into ghost busting. <laughs> Jason Reitman's doing I think we should it. leave this That'll to women. I, the, the women should, should carry you the mantle see, from here. I mean, that Ghostbusters movie is by Paul Feig is awful. It's not great. It's awful, but... Better than two. No. You don't think so? Nope. I hate two. Yeah. Anyway, okay, anyway. Uh, West Side Story. Anything else about this? It's yeah, it's basically perfect. Yeah. Uh, Pauline Kale said the movie was frenzied hookup. The dialogue was painfully old fashioned and mawkish. The dancing was simpering, sickly romantic ballet. And the machine tooled Natalie Wood was so perfectly banal. She destroys all thoughts of love. How many buzzwords can you fit into a review? <laughs> Pauline Kale, man. The Jesus. take Lord. The original take Lord. <laughs> I find Take Lord so boring. <laughs> yeah, very, it's too transparent. Not so great, Pauline. Yeah, sorry. And then, and then Eber wrote in his review, it's like, Pauline was a little harsh. <laughs> he did? <Yeah>. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Pauline, my girl. 
I would love to have dinner with those two. Uh, oh, well, could, you, could you imagine? Too late. Maybe Man. in heaven or in hell, depending <laughs> on where you all end up. Where did they go? It's not sure. <laughs> not really sure. That they're sitting with all the guys at the Nuremberg trials. <laughs> they belong with those guys. <laughs> Painfully old fashioned and mawkish. God, jerk off motion. Yeah, there. Exactly. Jesus Christ. Christ. Uh, West Side Story. It's perfect. Let's move on. Yo, Jimbo. Last movie on the list. Directed by Akira Kurosawa. Starring Tahiro, Tashiro Mifune. Nominated for Best Costume Design at the Oscars that year. A crafty ronin comes to a town divided by two criminal gangs and decides to play them against each other mm-hmm. to free the town. Finally got around to this one. Yep. You've been wanting me to watch this for years. Finally got around to it. Yeah, because it's like uh, one of my favorite movies ever made. Yeah. Yep. Sort of an early uh, foreign cinema film for me. You know, I, I, you know, I really just have to attribute Kurosawa to all that. Cause like when I was starting to get into foreign cinema, it was really his movies. Mm-hmm. And this was the first film I saw by him was Rashomon. And then I saw um, seven samurai. And then I saw this mm. and I was kind of torn between those three and which one I liked the most. Mm. Um, but this is like the coolest movie ever made for me. <laughs> or amongst them. It's, I, it's, yeah. I adore it. Um, yeah. I'll be honest. I wasn't as enthusiastic as, as you are. Like, so now I've seen like a fair amount of Akira, Kurosawa. Kurosawa cause you have assigned a bunch of these to me. Yeah. Uh, I saw Ron saw seven samurai saw high and low and saw this one. I contend that I think high and low is my favorite of all of them. That's weird. Yeah. It's very unusual. That movie is amazing. That movie is fucking perfect. Top to bottom. Um, I think with this one, so I, I guess I went into it knowing that Fistful of Dollars is a direct remake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, we, we consider that movie to be the Western ripoff of the samurai film. But Kurosawa was actually like playing into a lot of Western tropes in it as well. Sort of, yeah. And so it's kind of like they inspired each other in a weird way. It's like the West inspired the East and then the East inspired the West again. To a degree. You know, Ebert actually in his review put it perfectly. It's like that scene uh, where the, 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 uh, what is he? The cousin of one of the gang leaders arrives and he has the gun, right? Yeah. And it's the first gun that arrives in the town. And it's like that moment is sort of the clash of Western and Eastern cinema just all in one right there. It's like you have this like pretty straightforward samurai film and then here comes this other element, you know, here comes firepower Mm -hmm. right smack dab in the middle of this thing. Um, And so it's kind of interesting how it sort of blends the two genres. The, the, the town that this movie takes place in is just an old West town. Basically, you know what I mean? Yeah. With like the saloon and like you, you might as well just have like some tumbleweed and some fucking <laughs> some some uh, some barn doors or whatever. Some, like, More or less. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is very West in that way. And our hero is also very much a, a Western hero um, in terms of like his, the fact that he's like an agent for chaos in this kind of. Yeah. Um, liked it better than Fistful of Dollars. Say that. Me too. Yep. Me too. I, I like it better. The tone is interesting, though, and it's not so much a criticism. It's just like I don't think I was prepared for it. There is like some overt slapstick comedy in this that uh, I'm not used to seeing in Kurosawa movies. Oh, they're, they're there. Yeah. 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 There's a little. I mean, well, Mifune's character in Seven Samurai is very comedic. Yeah. 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 There's plenty of that, I would actually say. In there. They, and depending on how you read Rashomon, there's a little bit of that there. OK. Which is also excellent. You might even like Rashomon more than this. OK. Because that's a film all about like not trusting a person's perspective. Yeah. I'm sure you know a little bit about 
sort of the premise of that movie. Uh, yes. Yeah. I think. It's basically a, a, the same story told multiple times through different people. Got it's, it. Right. It's maybe the best screenplay ever written. Right. Got it. <laughs> For that reason. Yeah. Um, and this, yeah, this is more of like Kurosawa having fun. Yeah. And just like, like purely like just going at it. I found this wonderful character, this wandering Ronin, and he's just going to wreak havoc on this town in a way, or just use it to his advantage. Like you sure. said, and it's they, an explosive Western movie. In that yeah. Way. Yeah. I mean, if you watch it, like it's a, like a hyper, like, like mature film, that's not really what this is. And right. I understand like, if you get into it expecting that just cause you've seen a bunch of Kurosawa films, like, Oh, that's what this guy does. But that's certainly not what he always does. He's a sort of, you know, sort of a jack of all trades when he would make movies. He could make like the wonderful period pieces and then he could make the sort of more accessible action films mm-hmm. uh, or just like little adventures. Like this is strangely, I would compare this, you know, it has a little bit of midnight run to it in tone. <laughs> well, the score is interesting. Yeah, I know the score is because the weird. score is very overbearing. There's like I don't know if it's like chimes or xylophone or whatever, but it's like the do 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 like it's like like almost like a like a cartoon and just like you know Bugs Bunny sneaking up on Elmer Fudd like that would be the sound that it makes to it. Yeah, it's kind of big and bombastic and very it, bombastic. Yeah, yeah, it's always there. Kind of adds to the fun of the movie, though. It sort of, you know, sets the carpet very well for me for what I'm in for. I like that motif. It's good. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah personally, I think the movie is also just beautiful. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll never really get tired of the way Kurosawa shoots his his action scenes, too. Yeah. Uh, they're sort of like realistic uh-huh. in this and they're not that's when the music funny enough stops and it just decides to like use a wind machine and have his actors rush around to cheer Mufune as he slices them up yeah. and maybe an arm gets lopped off and then you see how uh, George Lucas takes that and uses it in the first Star Wars oh right yeah, yeah of course you w- can watch this movie and um, sort of be frustrated by it because it, this the text here is in so many movies yeah. it's un, it's like it's crazy how much of this movie has made its way into other films it's perhaps um strangely the like you could argue it's the most iconic if you wanted to it's iconic with probably it, yeah it's one of, it, it's one of those movies like it's iconic then people don't, or rather what am i trying to say people don't they know it even if they haven't seen it and it's got a lot of those uh, uh, visual motifs, particularly that ending. Hmm. I mean, if you watch the uh, the fifth episode of um, uh, Mandalorian, mm. it is just a remake of this. Yeah. Like more so than even Fistful of Dollars. Yeah, I was pretty stunned how much of Fistful of Dollars was in this. Yeah, I know. That's the, that's, yeah. Yeah, like it, it is, like there are specific lines that are actually the set co- again. The, the coffin, coffin line, line yeah. in particular is the big one, but like, yeah, the, the whole thing. I mean, it's the, the fact that like he befriends like a local innkeeper. Yes. You know, like uh, all of that shit is, yeah, e- exactly as it happens in Fistful of Dollars. Yeah. But it is interesting how they play it a little differently. This is much sillier yeah. than Fistful of Dollars. Mm-hmm. The Mifune character, although he's kind of a mystery, his like motivations are kind of uh, obscured. He, you know, he explains himself at least. He's like, you know, he explains the fact that he's trying to liberate this town and also kind of make a quick buck at the same time. You know what he's doing, mm-hmm. um, and so there's kind of like a, a more knowing quality to it, and why the movie gets more laughs because he's kind of the Bugs Bunny character. That's what I was just to reference about to him say. again. Yep. You know, he, you know, the one that's like 
pitting Elmer Fudd and Daffy Duck against each other exactly on, during duck season. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's you the, beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, but so because he's more knowing, it's like, oh, I can just sort of. There's actually a scene in the movie where he goes up on the perch oh, yeah. and he watches these two like he has popcorn in his hands, ready to watch these two gangs clash. So, right, you get more laughs when the lead is in on the joke. Whereas the Clint Eastwood movie, he doesn't really talk a lot. You know, there's a lot of just his face in Fistful of Dollars. Leone loves faces. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's more mystery. And he's sort of like this otherworldly presence. He's not just a man. Toshiro Mifune is a man in this Which one. Which I love. You know, whereas Clint's playing more of an idea. I think both are interesting. I think one's more dramatic, one's more comedic. Uh, I think I prefer the Toshiro Mifune character more than I do the Clint character. Um, but it is interesting to see like two drastically, drastically different movies based on the same material, you know? Also drastically similar though, like yeah. you said. Like I'm, like even when I saw it, I was kind of surprised by how similar it was. To on a plot movie. level, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but stylistically, quite different. Yeah. Again, in one you very, obviously, I mean, how can it, it's not going to escape the Eastern influence because it's an Eastern film. Yes. But, um, yeah, it's sort of a matter of taste. I'm, I'm not sure, like, I could understand why you'd prefer someone like Clint Eastwood's character or be, maybe you're more compelled by him. Mm. I'm just so much more entertained by Toshiro Mifune. I mean, he's just amazing. Yeah, it's just, I just love Sanjiro so much. Yeah. And by the way, he's, Sanjiro, the sequel is very good as well. Okay. Very good. But yeah. again, similar kind of tone with a much more serious ending, I would actually say. That's a movie that uh, becomes a little more mature as that character is forced to deal with sort of a similar thing. Mm -hmm. And in a way, like maybe it borrows too much from, uh, uh, from this one, but I just love these settings. Mm -hmm. I'll never not love like this particular setting in a movie. Mm -hmm. And I just love the detail and the texture to it with the leaves and the sand and the dust that whirls around in this place. Just the clinking of a door is just, I, I love the way this, uh, well, he, Kurosawa he, paints. It's a lot of use out of like sliding doors too. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like really kinetic. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the way that he frames it, it's a lot of like, just like sort of square framing. Yep. Um, but it's also in, in many ways, like his least precise movie, at least of the ones that I've seen, like, it kind of feels yeah, like a yeah, little more, you know, there's controlled chaos. I mean, literally there, there's the scene of uh, the, the lead uh, just like destroying a, a, a local home. Right. And just like, just destroying the building and, and knocking things over. You know, th there is a, yeah, an element of controlled chaos to it, which I, I really enjoyed. Yeah. It is definitely like his most fun movie. At least that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Seen. Yeah. 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 But, you know, and they're all different. It depends on what you're looking for. If you want the more thought-provoking film, then you get something like Rashomon. And then if you want his epic, there's Seven Sam Samurai. And if you want to feel like shit, you can watch Ron. Mm. So there's that. And yeah, this is the, the, the joyous experience that like, like he was kind of born to make. And it does feel like a film that's very close to him. Mm -hmm. So I don't have any negative. See high and low too, though. Yeah, high, but yeah, high, high and, low and low is awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's not this for me, though. This is, like, my number... See, I, I just think three. this is a little more disposable than High and Low. Oh, Because, like, High and Low, like, is really saying some pretty heavy stuff about, like, the class system and, like... You could say that. The uh, inner cities. Like, that scene of them at the, you know, at the end when they go through the whorehouse, like... It has more to say, but I am much more likely to watch this movie again. Um, I'm also... I, I've been kind of... I, I was... I was asking myself this the other day and I'm glad we're actually bringing it up and I'm like like why am I more likely to watch Dune than I am Arrival why mm -hmm. do I like Dune now more than I like Arrival and I sort of realized like okay there is as opposed to like if we're to, com to compare those two movies I have watched like something like Arrival just for the scene where Amy Adams goes up into the spaceship for the first time 
And then I have, unfortunately, hate to say it, but I have had experiences where as soon as that scene ends, I shut the movie off mm. because that's the scene you watch the movie for. Right. And nothing else even comes remotely close. Yeah. And whereas like Dune, I'm like, oh God, I got to watch the pain box scene. I got to watch the sandworm attack scene. Oh my God, I got to watch the scene in the tent. I got to watch the Jameis fight and you know, things like that. There's more that I watch that movie to look forward to. It's sort of like that Scorsese logic where you're talking about um, Rebecca versus the wrong man. And he said, he says a very similar thing where it's like, yeah, I like the scene where uh, Rebecca sees the ghost. But after that, I, you know, I've seen it. And whereas like wrong man's got the scene where he's identified in the bank. It's got the scene where he's identified in the lineup and it's got the ending scene where we finally see the killer. Um, there's more to like take away from cinematically. And I find that to be the case with Yojimbo. It's like, I don't know what I would rewatch high and low for specifically. And I Mm. could see myself going back to, you know, obviously I've gone back to Yojimbo many times just for when he walks into the the town and he's just looking around like, what the hell is going on here? Mm -hmm. Or the scene where he has to prove himself with the coffins or the scene where he's sitting up on the perch, which is so funny. Mm. And so like notably self-aware and just again, brimming with character. Um, And then of course the, the, the finale scenes, which you have just like when they're killing everybody in the village and that great shot where, uh, the villain character burns down the, the hut and he's just oh kind of looking, which is insanely oh just yeah. hellish. Oh yeah. God, I love it. Yeah. And then of course the finale. Yeah. And I just realized like just cinematically, this is a much more fulfilling experience for me. And I guess that's why I have a deeper fondness for it. So, yeah. Yeah, and again, as I said, there are characters, like the, the fat guy with the unibrow, like that, that's a character that I, wouldn't really show up in another Kurosawa movie like that. Uh, Hidden Fortress. Okay. Hidden Fortress is very, you know, notably silly at times. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, maybe it was just a matter of expectation. I, I really did like it. I, I thought it was, you know, obviously super entertaining and, and yeah. well-crafted and all of that. I do wonder what it would have been like if you had watched this prior to fistful of dollars. Mm. Not really fair because how are you going to, I, there's most people are going to see fistful of dollars than, than this. Yeah. But, no, I think I liked it more though. It is better. No, I did, I, think I it, did like it more. I, I just, think it was I, an improvement. I, I also just think the craft is much stronger. And that Toshiro Mifune's character is like this great template for so many awesome characters to come. Sure. In a way, you don't you don't have a lot of people. You don't have Snake Pliskin in a lot of ways without this guy. Yeah. Very very different, of course. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. But you see like where that could evolve into something like Snake Pliskin. For sure. You know? Uh and just like God, like this. The lines he's given, just the script here, are centered around that character. I laugh so goddamn hard when he's just kind of trying to chill out, and then all these uh, 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 prostitutes come out to you know seduce him. It's like, thank you for helping our town. Here's the girls. And he's like, I'm gonna go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just walks away. <laughs> just moments like that. Yeah, which are this movie's filled with moments like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. And it is cool. Like just as like, you know, if you're really into like film history and stuff, if you want to see sort of the clash of Western and East, I mean, this is this is smack dab in the middle of the two. Yep. Um, you could argue it's the best example, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's not my favorite Kurosawa film. Yeah. It's amongst my favorites. It's in my top four. So Sa- Seven Samurai is the number one for you? <laughs> Technically, my favorite experience that I still like I think about every day is still Ron. So that might be mine personally, but technically it's yeah. Seven Samurai. Then I, then I guess I'd go Ron. Then I'd go this. Oh, and then it's Rashomon and high and low. And I don't know. Oh, that's hard. That's a hard one. Rashomon's really good. Good filmmaker. He's okay. 
Good director. He's decent. All right, buddy boy. This is a tough one. Yeah, I mean... I have my personal, and I have what I think is the safest. Hmm. I wonder if you feel the same way. What is it? Your personal? Yeah. My personal is the hustler. Yeah. No, my, I, my, I, I don't think I'll be able to convince you of the hustler. Well, no, I don't think it's the correct choice. It's a fine choice. My, my, pers- my personal is Yojimbo, but yeah. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to convince you, for, convince you for Yojimbo. Right. So it looks like we got to just settle in on West Side Story and call it a day. <laughs> just out of curiosity, what's closer, Yo- Yojimbo or Hustler? Honestly. Um, <laughs> it, well, um, I mean, Legacy, I mean, you're definitely... You're definitely going Yojimbo or Impact. I should say you're definitely going Yojimbo. You might even go Legacy too, though. Yeah, I mean, no. If we're going by criteria, I don't think I have a case with the Hustler. I just like you know Hustler for me. That character Fast Eddie is, yeah, just indelible. Sanjiro, though, so, same for me. I love. I there's, that's the difference between me and you, right? Sanjiro. I'm, I'm lo- more of a Fast Eddie guy, and I'm a Sanjiro guy. Yeah. I just love that his name is meaningless. He's like, I don't know. It's it's fucking wheatgrass. Yeah. It's like a meadow <laughs> in a plain or something. <laughs> The indifference of that character. Like, that is an above it all that I just find so delightful. Fuck you. That's my name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically, that's what he says. Same thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, oh, that's what you were referencing. It took me a second. <laughs> uh, man, the Judgment at Nuremberg is really good, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That was the surprise for me, because I went into this thinking, oh. It's going to be the longest one. It's going to be like the most slow. Like I, I, it was the sort of the afterthought. The other four, I think like the more iconic jump out at the page. Yeah. 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 And so it's the one I watched last and, um, but then I got around to it. I just, I couldn't turn it off. I yeah, watched no, it last can. night. It's great. It's, it's yeah. an incredible movie. And I was worried you were going to be a take Lord with that one. I'm like, no, no, it's really bad. Good. Bad Nico. It's really good. But, uh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. I'm actually okay. Compromising on West side story. It's safe. But it's great. But it's like we, the best. We, I don't we, know. What do you want? It. it like I said though, it did give us Michael Bay. So I'm torn a little bit. Just a little bit. Well then congratulations to Michael Bay for <sighs> finally getting in. <laughs> ben Horn's in. Ben Horn is in. <laughs> Been a long time coming. Our boy, our boy Mike. Yeah. Should we do a Bay podcast? Do you want to? Oh my God. Kinda. Oh my God. I, I don't think any of his films deserve to be in. I don't think a single one of his films deserved to be in. I don't like his movie. It would kind of be interesting, though. To figure it out? I think it'd be a fascinating conversation. We do have a Friday the 13th film in the Movie Hall of Fame, so there is that. I'll give you that. I, I just think, like, his 90s run. Because you got to remember, he was, like, the guy. Really? I, I don't like... I mean, what is his best film? Bad Boys? And that's his first movie, right? Um, The Rock? I don't like The Rock. <laughs> Armageddon sucks. Yeah, it's the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon. I think it's Pearl it, Harbor and Transformers. Oh, God, no. Are those the five? Did you see Six Underground from mm, a couple years ago? No. He's got a new movie called Ambulance. Ambulance. Oh, we may have to do Bay that week. It's coming out in February. <laughs> we have to do it. Fuck. <laughs> We're doing a Bay podcast. Hmm. Like for me, it's like it's bad boys and it's Transformers and there's no argument. And I don't even love like I I enjoy the first Transformers enough, but like that's that's quite literally it. Like what else is there? We're talking Bay. It's happening. Damn it. We're talking Bay. Maybe we'll rank them. I'd rather do that. I think. Yeah, let's rank. I think I'd rather do that. Yeah, let's do that. 
Michael Bay. Man, man, Armageddon is a piece of shit. Horrible film. Fuck, that movie sucks. <sighs> All right. Uh, I mean, just think about, like, Bay, at least he has a style, man. He does. Like, he has a discernible are you, thing. Are you, are you crediting him for being different? I may have to defend Michael Bay on this upcoming podcast. Are you crediting, are you doing this thing where you say, just because he's, he's distinct, he's different. I may have to make this turn, man. Nico. I may have to do this. It's going to be a wide turn. I, like, I, it's uh, like I'm driving a big rig here. You know what I mean? I, I love this, this, this analogy that someone said, said very recently. Nico, if, if you eat fries over and over and over again, and you get sick of them, and then someone brings you a plate of shit, and you're like, well, it's different. Does that make it good? Um, uh, or do you like the fact that the, the, the audacity that someone brought it to you in the first place? Is that what you like? I, th- I think I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I respect that a guy shit in a bowl. <laughs> I think it's ultimately... It's kind of the metaphor there. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm following correctly, I which think- I'm not sure I am. <laughs> Uh, all right, Adam, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Who knows what we'll be doing, but we'll be doing something. There uh, are some films around the corner that I am very excited about personally. I don't know about you, but what are those? We got films? some House of Gucci coming around the corner. Uh, we got some licorice pizza mm, coming around the corner. Tell me. Uh, there's a new Spider-Man film in the works that uh, we're definitely going to do a podcast about. Uh, uh. We're doing our, our much-anticipated Spidey podcast. That I would like to do. Yeah. The holidays are around the corner, Adam. Yeah, they are. They're here. Yeah. I didn't want to see another Marvel movie, though. I did not want to do it. I'll let you see it, and then you can report back to me. No, you're, you're seeing this shit. I haven't seen Far From Home. You're going to see this shit. How do you know? Because, man. Because it's Spider-Man. I do love Homecoming. Toby's back, man. How do you know? Well, he's back. Toby's back. If he's in it. He's in it. How do you know? Because they leaked the photos the other day. He's in it. He's in the movie? He's in the movie. Him and Garfield are in the movie. They're actually doing it. They're doing it. <laughs> Doc Ock back. I know that. I know that. Defoe back. I know. Uh, Sandman's back. It's just so many. They know how to get to us, Nico. Sandman. They know how to. <laughs> they know. <laughs> they know how to exploit us, man. They don't do. don't let them <laughs> so the algorithm is so good <laughs> so good can't argue uh all right i think that's it are you excited for tick tick boom i mean i'm gonna see it but i don't know i know good reviews really yeah oh, it's directed by lin-manuel isn't it it is indeed all right well check it out i, I guess i gotta see power of the dog uh Belfast, because everyone's raving about fucking. Dude, Belfast. fuck Belfast, dude. I just don't. Yeah, I'm like, no, thank you. I, I, I'd see it out of like obligation. Life's too short. Yeah, you know, see, fucking Brana. Yeah, <laughs> you hate Brana. I do hate Brana. <laughs> fucking Brana. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Uh, let's see. King Richard's coming out. Uh, that's the Selena, the Serena and Venus Williams movie. Yep. Um. I mean, really, it's just a. The, the days are numbered between now and licorice pizza. I mean, I'm just counting the days. What if it's absolutely horrible? Hard to believe. W- w- it, hey, you never know. You never know. It Hard could, to believe. It could completely not vibe with you. It could just be a train wreck mess. I find that vi- okay. It might be horrible, 
but there's very little chance it doesn't vibe with me. No, yeah, that's there right. is very little chance of that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. PTA's back in the valley. Sign me up. Yeah, that's true. Hell yeah. That's All true. right. Uh, who knows? We'll do something next week. Love you. <laughs> Until then. We really stuck the knife in her, didn't we, Bert? Bert. <laughs>